Welcome to The Other Side of Strange. I am your host, Ben Porter. This is the podcast where we talk about all things unexplained and paranormal, and we kind of look at it from every side. And today we've got kind of a special episode about UFOs. And this is specifically an episode for those of you out there who are wondering why does anyone even believe in UFOs. We're going to talk about a few of the reasons why people believe in UFOs uh, and hopefully show that uh, it's not just for kooky people and <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, I'm joined today by some guests. Uh, first of all, we have returning Danny Leininger. Hello. And uh, we've got Danny's brother, Bryce. Hello there. <laughs> third time. And uh, <laughs> our, th- our third guest is uh, a first-time uh, guest Jeff, hello, welcome Jeff. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. So for each of you, I would like to know. I'm going to start here with Danny. Okay. Danny, do you believe in UFOs? Or no, actually, what is your? How do you feel about UFOs? Okay. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> how do I feel about UFOs? I think UFOs are very cool. Uh So I am coming at this from a novice. I'm a complete novice on the subject, on the stories, on what has been told. But I am someone who is also like a believer who's super open to, we don't know a ton and these things could happen. And just to... Well, I'll leave, I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. Um, I'll leave it at that for now. That's good. Bryce, what about you? How do you feel about UFOs? How do I feel about UFOs? I think it's interesting because I feel like my perspective has definitely migrated over the years, where before I used to think it was total nonsense and completely, there, there's just, you couldn't even start at, the first story with me before I would just check out. But now, I don't know. I, maybe it's just a maturation thing. I, I totally believe in UFOs. Okay. I, I think a lot of it, there's a lot more truth to the stories that we hear than the general public wants to believe is real. Okay. So, yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's a good way of putting it because that's kind of where I'm at a little bit, uh-huh. where it was like... Your opinion has changed or it's kind no, of... No. <clears throat> yeah. Like this... Oh, completely ridiculous to, like, yeah, it okay. could totally be. Uh, Jeff, what do you feel? Uh, yeah, about UFOs. So m- my religious beliefs tell me that there's other life in the universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. That there's other people, beings that live on other planets. Okay. That there's not just life here on Earth. So uh, is there a, a possibility of aliens or life? coming to earth sure okay um but with that said i am very skeptical of being able to travel from so far away right to the earth there are practical issues practical issues um and i'm i'm kind of skeptical um with that said i mean i don't know if you already want me to get into this yeah but go ahead a couple of weeks ago i was in downtown arinda okay just standing there and looking up in the sky, and there was something I saw that I couldn't explain. Okay. What so, did it look like? Well, it looked like 
at first I thought, are these little like balloons, like in a big group, okay. uh, like being pulled by an airplane or something? Were they like in a line? They were in like a circle. Oh, okay. And they were at first they were way up high in the sky. They they I thought, oh, it's a flock of birds, right? That are you know kind of how they. They're in a circle, and then they shift, and they go a different direction, and then they go the, oh, yeah. another way. Oh, yeah. But they were way, way up high in the sky. So, hold on. Is this during the day? Yes. And so you're seeing them as dark spots against the sky? Is yes. that what you're seeing? Okay. Yes. And I had sunglasses on, and so I could see them uh, with, with my sunglasses on, but then when I'd, I'd lower my sunglasses to look up just to see if I could see them... I couldn't see them. Like there, I, there was something with the filter on my my sunglasses. Oh, okay. Maybe they're prescription, so maybe I could just see better. <laughs> I don't know. But at first, I was like, the, "Are these birds?" And then I was like, "No," because uh, they kept they kept shifting, but they were they kept in the same shape. Okay. Like the whole time, and it, they were super high. I'm like, "There's no way that like a flock of seagulls or something are going to be up that high." Right. In the and sky, was it like disappearing and then reappearing. Um, or? no, not really. But they were just kind of. It did seem like they were being like they were being pulled from an airplane, but okay. they were staying in the same location. Like okay, they, weren't, they weren't moving. They weren't really moving, but they they were kind of oscillating. Okay. Like, and it, it was, I don't know. It, it looked like maybe they were pieces of um, cell, you know, like a metallic cell, like mylar balloon, mylar or balloon, or yeah. something like that. But I kept thinking, I can't explain what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I kept staring at it. And I almost wanted to go up to someone else on the street and say, do you see that? Right. What, what is yeah. that? But then I thought, no, I, I don't want to be crazy. Yeah. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is there was a flying object that was unidentifiable. <laughs> it, Therefore, was, it was. It was literally a UFO. It, it was right. a UFO. Exactly. And I'm sure there was some logical explanation for it. But, but you didn't have it. I yeah. didn't have it. And I, I don't. I, yeah. Okay. Which so, I guess I do I'm, have. Go ahead. I have a clarification question for you because my answer was more in line with or or more about paranormal activity in general. Yeah. From your perspective, do you see or or when people talk about UFOs, is that inclusive or exclusive of when other people (laughs) say paranormal activity? Right. So An alien. Yeah. Do you know that there's actually a huge debate in the communities about that? Like when you talk about Bigfoot and paranormal stuff and cryptids and aliens and UFOs, uh, there are debates about whether <laughs> any of those things can be included in any of the other groups. So mm. um, it's it's kind of however you interpret it. Because I guess as far my, as I'm my only amendment to my previous answer mm-hmm. would be I certainly think the like the interdimensional type uh-huh. stories the the I don't know, of that flavor are definitely more. There, there might be more truth to them than okay. just people seeing flying objects in okay. there all the time. I'm not saying those aren't really sure. Nice. So uh, let me ask. I have some other questions for you, Jeff. But uh, I want to ask you two guys: mm-hmm. Have either of you ever seen an unidentified flying object? I can't say I that I have. Okay. Yeah, I do wish to. But no, I so I, I saw one. Um, this was a few years ago. We were driving home from back east and we're coming through nevada and i saw i was not driving i was in the passenger seat this was during the day and i saw a white sphere um just kind of hovering over the hills in nevada 
and I look at it and it didn't look like anything unusual. Uh, like my first thought was, I, at first I thought it was like a blimp yeah. coming towards me. Um, it was not very far off the ground. It was three or 400 feet off the ground, uh, but it was some distance away. And I was watching it and it seemed to be descending. Now we're traveling on the highway at the same time. So any movement was hard to determine whether it was just me moving. It's called parallax where I'm moving and then the things around me, you know, also move or don't seem to move that kind of thing. Anyway, I couldn't tell what was happening, but I took pictures of it and I tried to zoom in on it with my camera just to see details. And it seemed to be like a perfect sphere. Hmm. And so my next thought was, oh, it's a balloon, except for balloons are not spheres. Like when they're that big, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen a uh, a weather balloon or anything, they're actually very teardrop shaped or even a hot air balloon. Yeah. Teared, upside down teardrop, right? Um, when they get up into high altitudes, a weather balloon will become a sphere or more sphere-like. But this hmm. one was like perfectly round. Looked like a ball that was floating in the sky. Uh, No lights that I could see. But we were coming up on the road, and the road did a bend around the hill. And we were getting closer and closer to it, and I could see that it was just, it seemed to be descending right behind the hills. I mean, it was getting close and close to the ground. And so we came up around, and I was like, okay, as soon as we come around this hill, I'll be able to see the backside of it, and I'll get a much better look at it, also from a different angle, so I could see what it was. Um, And it came down, and I lost view of it as we came around the corner, and so it was probably 30 seconds or so that it was out of my view when we came around the bend, and we came around to the other side, and I couldn't see it at all, and I was like, where did it go? It just disappeared. And I was thinking, well, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe my concept of what the hill looked like on the other side was wrong, and we're not really behind the hill or something. But I was looking out there, and then I saw it, and it was miles and miles and miles and miles away. It was a tiny little hmm. dot again, and so it, in the matter of thirty seconds, it would have traveled very far. Yeah. While I couldn't see it, like far away from us. Anyway, hmm. so to me. That was uh, a literal, by literal definition, an unexplained flying object. I didn't feel, I personally don't feel like it was aliens or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, I, It's interesting to me, and I think it's cool that I saw that, and I'm super curious as to what I actually saw. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of feel like there is probably some normal explanation for it, but it was my experience. And Jeff, you mentioned that you also thought that there was a um, some kind of explanation, explanation right? Yeah. Um, did you feel like... But you f- So you feel like it's a, a explanation of something here in the world, right? Yes. I, I was imagining that maybe it was something weather-related or maybe with the military, but okay. I don't know. Where it was, you know, near a military base yeah. in Alameda, so... Yeah, that makes sense. So but. when you... I know you'll be sharing some of these uh-huh. stories, and this is only now kind of coming into my head. So uh-huh. when we talk about you, when we say UFO, yeah, you know, in my head it's beings from another planet. Okay, but we are the discussion is also like military, so aircraft, yeah, we're and, experimental aircraft. And actually, I want to start with that. That okay. today's discussion, although 
inevitably there is some aspect of it which includes like aliens or some some beings that are non-human or non not from here or now or whatever okay but um we are today mainly focusing on the crafts not the beings oh, okay. we'll talk about the beings but uh as you mentioned there is actually the one of the reasons that people believe in ufos is because if for example um let's say one of our enemies uh in the world has you know flies an airplane into our space or here's an idea let's say china flies a balloon <laughs> over <laughs> the united states yeah. right yeah and to monitor us it's important for us to know that oh there's a balloon there and find out where it came from and what they're doing right mm -hmm. Right. So that's a real-world example of, you know, if you see this balloon out there, you you may not recognize that it's a balloon, uh, just for argument's sake, right? And so what if all of these other things that people are seeing are something similar? It's important for us to know. True. And it's totally, uh, you can look at the UFO phenomenon, like, completely from a practical, like, uh, national security issue. I personally think there's a little bit more to it, but we'll talk about some of the things here. And at, even though I say we're not really going to talk about the beings, we will mention them because they, they come into play every once in a while uh, as part of the stories. But really, it's more the events that happen. Okay. Okay. Also, a thing that I should talk about because I personally may use different terminology. So when we say UFO, Danny, like you said, it means aliens, right? That's yeah, what you think like, of. Yeah it, yep. yeah. it has come to mean that. And in recent years, the uh, our government has taken a more serious look at the national security situation. And they have decided we can't, we cannot look, <laughs> like start investigating UFOs because that's aliens. And we can't just say there are aliens, right? Yeah. So they have changed the acronym, and the acronym they use is UAP. Now, UAP has two meanings, depending on which part of the government you ask. The initial meaning of UAP was Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, okay. which is the same thing as UFO, just different words, yeah. right? Some phenomenon in the air. Um, but they, the reason why they say phenomenon is because it's not net, they are basically leaving room that this is not necessarily an object. It might be some weather-related event or, you mm. know, some some science-y thing, yeah. plasma or something, right? Yeah. So we'll talk about some examples of why this has changed, but they also have now changed the UAP to mean unidentified anomalous... Anomalous? <laughs> I can't say it. Anomalous, unidentified think, right? anomalous... That's a that's one of those phenomena. Words. I'll say it different yeah. every single time. Yeah. Yeah. What anomalous does it mean? as in it's an anomaly. It's something okay. that's unusual. Okay. It's some phenomena. Like completely different than what it was previously, aerial. Right. Right. And the reason saying. that they uh, took it away from aerial is because there are things in the ocean, there are things in space, there are things on the ground that they are also investigating and that are all part of this, right? So my like, question there is do we yeah. know that that's why they tried to change the word? Um, I think they did because the current government organization, we'll talk more about this okay. a little bit later, but the organization's name is ARO, A-A-R-O, and it stands for the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. So hmm. All-Domain, meaning every domain, air, Earth, Air, Sea, 
space. Okay. okay? And okay. so they're the ones who changed it to anomalous phenomenon instead of aerial phenomenon because okay. they're looking in every domain. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, I may call them UAPs because I've gotten to that habit. Uh, but uh, whether we say UFO or UAP, it's all the same. Okay. Okay. So let's start with a story. This is... This is certainly not the beginning of the UFO phenomenon, but it is kind of the entry for everyone, for most people, okay? To get into that, we're going to talk about Roswell, okay? To preface that, during World War II, there were uh, these things called Foo Fighters. Have you guys ever heard that? Not just the band. I was going <laughs> to... I only think of the band. I was going to say, oh, wait, you want me to sing the Foo yeah. Fighters <laughs> What, what is no. Foo Fighters then? So pilots in World War II, not just U.S. pilots, but European pilots over Europe, Belgium, France, um, Scandinavia, these pilots would see lights in formation that are up there flying with them. And they would think that they were other, like, airplanes. So this is the 40s. Yeah. You know? They think that there are other airplanes, but they're moving way too fast. Or they move in erratic ways that airplanes can't move. Hmm. And so they just started calling them Foo Fighters, and that's the name that stuck, which is where the band gets their name. I was, okay. Yeah. Do, can they see the pilots inside these crafts? No, they were always just lights, from what I know. And I may end up doing an episode on them one day, because there's actually a lot of information that people have collected over time. Hmm. Uh, but that's kind of just an illustration of during World War II, pilots were seeing weird lights in the okay. sky. And at, that was a time where there wasn't nearly as much air traffic as we have right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after World War II, 1947, in Roswell, New Mexico, a man, he's a rancher, he goes out, uh, his name is Mac Brazel, he goes out into his ranch and he finds a debris field that's 200 yards long. It's metal, silverish metal, and just like torn up dirt and stuff. Basically, something has crashed. Mm -hmm. uh, he picks up some of this gear, some of this stuff, and he takes it into the nearest town, which is Roswell. So his ranch is outside of Roswell. He drives 20 miles, whatever, to Roswell and brings it to the sheriff. The sheriff is like, what the heck is this? And they kind of like, were like, this is weird and it's unusual. Well, not too far away is a place called, it's an airfield called the Roswell Army Airfield. This was at the time where the Air Force was just beginning or mm -hmm. they were just starting to. So really, uh, it's an Army Airfield, which eventually became an Air Force Airfield. The sheriff calls up the airfield and he talks to the colonel there uh his name's colonel william blanchard and blanchard colonel blanchard comes out there with his he brings out a guy named major jesse marcel they go out and they look at it and major marcel is tasked with collecting all of the debris so he's got some trucks out there they pick up all the debris they're filling up these trucks and stuff and he's supposed to take it into the air base so he is driving, he's driving to the air base, but on his way, he goes by his home and he's like, 
I'm going to take a quick stop at home on the way home. And he <clears throat> stops and he brings his young son out, who's Jesse Marcel Jr. Uh, Jr. comes out and they his father shows him some of the, the wreckage. Uh-huh. The boy touches it. He looks at it. The boy uh, has described it since then. He says that it has... Actually, I, I have a quote here from him. He says... I could see what looked like writing. At first, I thought of Egyptian hieroglyphics, but there were no animal outlines or figures. They weren't mathematical figures either. They were more like geometric symbols, squares, circles, triangles, pyramids, and the like. Anyway, so the boy sees this stuff. Okay. They take it. And That's the writing on the, on the metal. On the metal that they find. So there were like some I-beam-shaped things. There were sheets of metal. They described the metal, and this is uh, the original guy, Mac Brazel, who found it. He talks about how... They tried, him and the sheriff tried to like bend it with sledgehammers and they could not deform it. Yeah. But then they could also pick it up and crumble it. And then as soon as they let go, it would bounce back into regular shape. So like it always went back into shape. You could not do a permanent uh, Hmm. dent in it. It would always. So I imagine when he says you couldn't dent it with a sledgehammer, I think what he means is you could hit it with a sledgehammer and create a dent, but then it would immediately pop back into shape. So you couldn't do a permanent dent you couldn't break it yeah so it had really weird properties it was also very very light so jesse marcel yeah major jesse marcel takes all of this stuff to the base the next day the base releases a so the day after they see it they find it and take it there they release a press release and it says the many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chavs County. So they had an official press release saying, hey, flying saucers are real. Hmm. We've got the wreckage of one. Yeah. Well, the higher-ups in the Army immediately jumped on that so the newspaper publishes this (laughs) this press release and says hey look ufos are real or flying saucers are real this is right when they started calling flying saucers yeah just a few months prior to this it became uh, kind of the fad to call them flying saucers the army quickly changed their story though and then they filed another or did another press release that said, oh, we were mistaken after investigating this. It's just a weather balloon. All of these things were a weather balloon. Now, part of the the story that ran, and I'll show you all some pictures here. Uh, listeners, if you want to see these pictures, you can find them at our website at othersightofstrange.com. But here is a picture of, this is Jesse Ma- Major Marcel. Yeah. And this is a colonel, another guy, and this is the debris that they uh, are. And that's the debris that they found. But you're saying this was included in the article that was published before the army. This is their like retraction. No, this is after. This is their, no, it was just a weather balloon, and here's proof picture. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing Major Marcel and the colonel, who's pictured there, both of them were taken, were. They're at the base when higher-ups from the Army came to visit. And they said, we're here for a debrief. We're going to talk about this. Here's all of this debris in this room. Uh, Can you go? We need you guys to go take care of some things over in this other room. So the two guys leave to go and take care of some stuff. And then when they come back in, they have swapped out. This is their story. 
this is Major Marcel's story okay. and and the colonel who's <clears throat> in the picture. They come back and they have swapped out everything. And what is there now is what we see in the pictures, but okay. that is not the stuff that they brought in. So that was my question when I looked at it. I was like, is this just a couple of uh It looks like mylar balloons kites. or kites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just blatantly swapped it out. They just blatantly Did swapped it out. Did they say anything about that? So this is, they, they didn't. They're like, hey, can you guys, they're like, hey, check out this stuff. Can you inspect it? So the guys get down and inspect it, um, and they're picking it up, and there's guys photo- photographing them as they're doing it. And they're like, wait a second. They're like, what is this? And they're like, just pose for the picture holding uh, these, right? Yeah. So they're following orders. They pose for the picture holding this stuff. Now, this is their story. Yeah. This story didn't come out till like 20 years after the event. Mm. So the official word was, first, the Air Force Base said, we've got a flying saucer. And then immediately the next day, the, the Army comes back and says, no, we're wrong. It's just a an air balloon or a weather balloon. That's what it was. That was the official story, and that's where they left it. The The government left it at that point. As far as the public is concerned, that's where it stopped. 20 years later, uh, people started investigating, and they're like, wait a second, this is weird, though, because uh, somebody talks to these guys, and they're like, yeah, they swapped that out. That's not the stuff that we brought. And the younger boy is like, uh, you know, uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. is like, no, I saw the stuff. I touched it, and it had writing on it. It didn't look like that stuff in the picture. And mm-hmm. This might be an impossible yeah. question to answer, but I'm just curious now, is there any way for us to figure out what was the sentiment of the public like in more real time? Was was the discussion? Do we know if there was like a way? Were they, were they saying, "Oh no, the government changed the story on us"? Where, where did this no. disbelief so, of the system and and they're lying to at us? At that time, come from? everybody just accepted that. Oh, it was a mistake, and they right. Everyone it, they, went about their day, right? And everyone went about their day, especially since they're kind of near um, an air force base, and they're also near where the atomic bomb was yeah. created. Right. This is they know that secret stuff is going on and. You know, this is probably just a, a weather balloon. We believe it, you know, yeah. and it's just misidentified. People just let it go, except for the people who were involved with it maintained that, no, th- something's wrong here. They changed the story. This didn't happen. So then people did some major investigation mm-hmm. and started interviewing the people who were still alive 20 years later. What happened? All of these things. And we start learning all of these weird kind of stories about how they swapped out the stuff and Mm -hmm. other people saw it. And this is the properties that it had. And they took it, apparently they took it to an air force base. I don't know which air force base I get them all confused. It was Los Alamos or Wright Patterson. These are all air force bases where like stuff goes to. So I can't remember which one. Probably an obvious answer, but like, has anyone tried to track down the, the real where it went? Yeah, the yeah. real stuff. So, well, nobody knows because the government, like, if, like, supposedly assuming that they did have something else and they took it there, nobody knows where it is. Or it's so top secret that people don't know where it is. Yeah. But that actually comes into play in something into current events, and we will talk about that a little bit later. So, I think it's with the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, in that in area, Indiana 51. Jones. You know the best Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. 
Um, <laughs> I think that I, I think they're onto something there. That huge warehouse with all that stuff. It's just what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So, in the let me see, is it the 80s or the 90s? Let me look here. Um, after this, I have a theory. Okay. Uh, in 1994, the Air Force was pressured to go back and look. Mm. Look at your records. Find out what really happened. Look, this is... Um, pressured you know, by over, who? Just by the public. You know, the, the people who are say, claiming, hey, this are, there's a cover-up here. There's a huge cover-up. Everyone knows. So go back and look. Freedom of the Information Act, right? Okay. We want to know everything. So they did a report. They went back, and they determined and declassified the information that and this is the as of today this is the current official word on that the stuff that they found was not part of a weather balloon but part of a weather balloon like technology (laughs) (laughs) from a project called project mogul which was a top secret thing where these weather balloons would lift up sensitive um monitoring information into the high atmosphere listening for nuclear explosions so it would hear when russia was testing they would know every time russia exploded a nuke so that's what they're claiming and that was top secret obviously so they're like look we couldn't let anyone know at the time we had to keep it top secret it was classified Mm -hmm. we didn't want russia know that we could hear when every time they tested yeah and uh so that's the official word okay and it so it makes a little bit of sense. I yeah, know, that, it does make a little bit of sense. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Like, I kind of wanted to not buy any of that official <clears throat> story, but um, that makes kinda, sense. I could kind of see the thought process. Right. That was actually going to sort of be my theory. Was around. It wasn't exactly yeah. that, but go ahead. Do you have a different theory? No, it was basically you have all these brilliant scientists mm-hmm. all together working on the atomic bomb. Right. They're playing with plutonium. Right. And. What are the different ones? I yeah, anyway, plutonium. Yeah, playing with that and stuff. they're like, dude, let's make all let you know, let's test all this stuff out. And so these different metals are being uh-huh. tested. And so this idea, I mean, if it's wrong, that PR guy like nailed the story because the <laughs> idea we're doing the atomic bomb. We want to know if other people are doing it, so we're making this special device. That, and that well, and just that initial idea or, or strategy of. How could we monitor other yeah. foreign powers right. and their nuclear activity, given the technology, the technological resources they had at the time? Yeah. That yeah. would probably be one creative way of doing it clandestinely. Yeah. And then when one goes away or awry, I mean, yeah, do you do? yeah, you can't. yeah totally. You have to keep it hidden, right? So, are there skeptics of that story? Well, yeah, what absolutely. Yeah. So the the I mean, it goes back to the original stories. Okay. That, it's like, if this was the case, how is it possible that there is this metal that can restore its shape? Okay, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Why are there these symbols on here that don't look like other things that we recognize, uh, other than they're just shapes? Yeah. Um, why? Um, is there anything we know now, technology-wise, that could help us explain? Like, why would they even describe what they saw that way? Maybe it was just a little ahead of that guy's time. So there is, I just saw a a documentary this week that talks about a metal that we've been using for a few years called nitinol. And it's used in things like um, stints that they put in like a blood vessel to open it up. Yeah. And they make like these little... 
it's like a net shape. Yeah. And they can squeeze it down, and it always goes back to its original shape. Yeah. And we've been using it since the late 60s. I have one of those in my body. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a technology that did not exist at that time. Yeah. And So you could take that thread and say maybe it's not specifically that, but it's the government had something that the general public didn't really know about. That's what he tried to describe. Yeah. The, the argument that I hear more often is that they got this from whatever, non-Earth okay. place. Like it's, okay. this is something that they reverse engineered because the origin of where this stuff came from yeah. is very foggy and hidden. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a lot of stories that yeah. go with it that don't lead to where they say they go. Anyway. Yeah. The symbols thing. Yeah. I have a... This is going to sound silly, but when you were talking about like geometric shapes and okay. stuff like that, like had they ever seen any Eastern writing before, which is oh, right. sometimes, like, you know, well, like Japanese. I had that, that too. It's oh, very yeah, right. geometric and I don't, I don't know that. They you know, anyway, I don't know. It's this not, is just what I was thinking about. Not the world of the internet, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, there is another aspect that I should mention, and that is that the Roswell story also includes, so there was also another spot where it looked like this thing had like, skipped off the ground like it hit the ground and bounced up and then landed several miles later so there's this place they call the skip zone and stuff but there are stories uh people who were there who claimed that they saw bodies of little pilots that were dead um that were also taken um that part is a lot of times kind of left to the side because of the fact that it's aliens right and People are not. Some people are not ready to jump into that. There, there were aliens involved, and we have alien bodies. Yeah. But that again is in recent weeks has. Uh, there's a new kind of lens focusing back on that. Like, hey, wait, hmm. did we actually capture alien bodies at Roswell? I don't know. There uh, are books and books about the events of Roswell. Mm-hmm reasons why people do not believe the official narrative okay like things that don't fit with the official narrative okay and so for me it's just like there is enough that doesn't fit and i can understand basically there's enough that doesn't fit that either i believe that the government is still hiding the uh their top secret project Mm -hmm. or it is something that you know, came from somewhere else yeah. that they don't want us to know about and they're mm-hmm. hiding it. So uh, th- in my mind, there's no question that the government is hiding something, yeah. but I don't know what that is Okay. in this. Anyway. What do you... Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Wasn't there a, like a, a movie or something that was released in recent years and it was probably debunked of, uh-huh. of like a movie of taking of in the lab in Roswell. Oh, of, with, of with bodies. A, yeah. With like yep. an alien on a, on a, on a, a table yeah, and on stuff. Table yeah. And all that. So there are a lot of kind of alien body videos and alien autopsies and things like that, that have been released throughout the years. Uh, a majority of them are debunked, but just by saying that they're debunked doesn't necessarily mean they are fully debunked because there are, you know, there are people who are hardcore skeptics who immediately go into this with the attitude of, this is not real. It cannot be real. So I am going to come up with an explanation that 
is good enough for me to discount it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, this is probably a Hollywood thing. Or the person who did this, you know, worked in Hollywood for a little while, so obviously they picked up some some skills to fake this or something. I personally am not sure if any of it is real, though I've seen some photographs. I, I mean, I'm a person who, like, I actually went to school for a time to make movie monsters. Yeah. And so... Um, Although I don't have tons of experience of that, I do also have experience with computer graphics in movies. And uh, I can look at a lot of these things, and some of them I can immediately see artifacts, things that tell me, oh, this is, you know, this is a rubber puppet that somebody made, or this is computer graphics, and I can see that. But there have been some pictures that I've seen that are like, um, I'm not sure. Like, I don't see anything that jumps out. Yeah. Not, not enough to say, oh, this is real, but sometimes it's just not clear enough. Or I can't quite see the other angles, you know, yeah. you can't see. And I'm like, I wonder if there's a seam over there or, you know. But th- I've seen some that are, <clears throat> you know, interesting enough to me to, to make me think, oh, this could be real, hmm. you know. Yeah. But I don't know. But Roswell is a thing that has come up for decades, and people claim, oh, I have this thing from Roswell or that thing from Roswell. Yeah. Have you been to Roswell, Ben? I haven't, but it's on my it's bucket on the list. list. Yeah. There's not, there's nothing out there but Roswell. Yeah. But Roswell has a big community. Like, they have embraced the yeah. the alienness of that. Uh, they embrace everything about that, you know, and that's kind of their tourism now. Right? So I, I learned about Roswell from watching the Roswell series right. that was back yeah. in the day. And um, that kind of is always my baseline initial (laughs) way I imagine these stories is Uh from the backdrop of Roswell. Of that Roswell show, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When when did that play? Jeff, did you see Roswell? I never watched that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when it was out. I I, I wasn't even into the X Files. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff. That's where the truth is, Jeff. Exactly. Can you visit the crash site? Uh, I don't know. It's a private, so it was a private ranch. Yeah, who owns the property? I imagine, I don't know the current status of that, but um, it is not in Roswell, right? It's some miles out of Roswell. I would imagine one of two things. It's either somebody's making money letting people come look at the property, or it's private property that somebody, some serious rancher is just ranching on this land, and it's good land, and I don't want to let people on it. So I don't know which one, but... uh, uh, you know, if somebody's interested, I bet that you could look it up and yeah. find out. They probably have tours. I bet there are like helicopter tours and stuff where you oh. can fly over and see something like that. You know, just don't fly into something else. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben, what do you think uh, about Roswell? About Roswell? About this story? Yeah. About like so, you've given us kind of the yeah. the two sides. And what's awesome about other side of strange? Yeah. Is I do love how things can kind of come in the middle right. of the both sides. Um, and this is a good representation of other stories, right? Where it's yeah. with the government and things have then been hidden. Where, where do you fall? Uh, I am just in the something happened. I don't believe the official narrative, okay. but I'm not a hundred percent on the other narrative though. Again, I'm starting to lean more on the, we might've actually, gotten a ufo okay and by ufo i mean so the the current kind of fad is to say non-human origin 
oh. like something from non-human origin. They're not saying it came from space. Okay. Because uh, isn't just, that the word the recent whistleblower? That's used? right. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're gonna we'll about talk that. about that here oh. at the end. The current events. So technology from a non-human origin. So they they don't say it came from space. Either they maybe they don't know if it came from space, or you know, there's the possibility that it's interdimensional or from uh, a technology. Uh, what do you call it? A society that has been hidden and developed their technology separately from the rest of us yeah. within this earth or within, in a different yeah oh. just like uh, imagine a group of people yeah. living yeah. in the mountains right who yeah. okay who are separated from everyone else yeah. now most likely they're not living in the mountains right but what if they have a base underwater yeah in the ocean got it right and they've been there for centuries yeah or something right i, I don't know totally awesome because one or, thing i i kind of am starting to the way i sort of frame these stories nowadays is it's interesting to me that on the on the f- face value, I'd probably dismiss a lot of the outrageous claims. Right. But then I factor in if it's all false, if it's all right. as silly as I you, as, it you, as you, you would want to <laughs> say it sounds. Why has there been a sustained, a high level of investment to keep it, you know, right. so secrecy and yeah deflection and if it's all bogus if there is nothing you don't act the way i feel like i've been told that government's been acting right right and that's that's a constant debate and really the way that the government acts is a thing that keeps pulling people back in to oh my gosh they are absolutely yeah like if you think about it if it was all nothing and the government really wanted just to get this headache out of their way just tell us the real thing that's right that's all we want to know yeah okay i'm gonna Go on to the next story here. Okay. So that last one took place in 1947. Okay. Now we're going to jump up a couple of decades to 1967. This is a March 24th, 1967. It takes place in Montana at a place called Malmstrom Air Force Base. Okay. Malmstrom Air Force Base. Uh, I don't know what What's it, with all these Air Force bases? Well, that's... Uh, that is important, mm-hmm. right? And you'll see here in this particular story why it's so significant. Um, Malmstrom was a place, I don't know what its current situation is, what it does now, but in 1967, this was uh, ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, nukes. This is where we stored them. <coughs> this is where they launched from, okay? And so there were groups there that were, they called them flights, that were in charge of like 10 nukes. These are these are missiles that are like as tall as a skyscraper, but they're down in silos, right? They're gigantic. Um, and they're down in the silos in the ground, and they're, they've got these people who are monitoring them. They're there ready to turn the keys or whatever when the launch code gets there, right? And also, they're there to protect, okay? So something strange happened on March 24th. And I actually, uh, not only did I read the story, like somebody's summary of this, but I read the actual um, testimonials, like the affidavits of four of these men that were there. They were four men in different areas of the base, kind of assigned to different jobs. And they all have like this just 
incredible story. So you're okay. basically the expert when it yeah, comes. Yeah, I, I was gonna say <laughs> anyone. This is primary stuff source material. Yeah, yeah. They 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 saw this stuff, right? So uh, the main story comes from a guy named Robert Salas. He was um, a flight security controller. Oh, let's see. No, actually, I don't know what his job was. He got a call from the flight security controller. So Robert Salas was sitting at the desk that kind of monitors everything like he's kind of the home base mm-hmm. and he's got a partner there with him they're in front of this big computer right watching everything people who don't have a position title you know are well, really important i'm sure he has a title i like just a, don't know what oh, okay. it is. yeah <laughs> anyway he gets a call from the flight security controller so remember when i say flight it's kind of like it means the whole group mm-hmm. right so the security controller calls him and says, uh, hey, boss, there's a bunch of weird lights flying around in the skies out here in ways that no aircraft can do. Uh, they're moving very fast, and they're changing direction very abruptly, like 90-degree angle changes without slowing down and stuff like that. Like, we just know that if you were to do that, it would kill you, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the inertia and stuff. So these lights are moving. There's several of them moving around. Strange ways, strange speeds, and there is no sound that goes along with them. So they can't hear any jets or propellers or anything. Are they, do they have any do they they super bright lights? Size? Yeah. So yeah, at right. this time, that's all he says. Okay. Okay. And so uh, Solace tells him, keep an eye on it. Um, I'll, you know, we'll mark it down in the logs, whatever. So they go back to work. And then uh, a few minutes later, he gets a second call from the guy. This time, the guy was really agitated, and he says, there is a pulsating, glowing red oval that is 30 to 40 feet in diameter, and it is hovering directly over the front gate. Uh, He says his men were out there. They had their guns drawn, aimed at this thing, and Solace says, okay, I don't know what it is, but whatever you do, do not let something unknown enter into the base's perimeter and this thing was not entering the perimeter it was just sitting there above the gate mm-hmm. without entering <clears throat> so the guy says one of his guys got injured it didn't have anything to do with the lights or the guns or anything it was just happened just to, yeah something like that it literally <laughs> was something like that yeah. <laughs> and so he's like oh one of my guys is injured i gotta go um he hangs up solace sits puts the phone down and he's like well that is weird and then he turns and starts telling his partner about this weird thing that this guy said and just as he starts talking to him alarms all over their computer start going off uh, one at a time so they're in charge of 10 different silos 10 different missiles that are in here one at a time they're just dropping off they're all going off and it says that all 10 of their ICBMs were deactivated and could not be launched. Um, each one has their own little kind of systems. Mm-hmm. And so they run this thing to see, kind of like when your car gets the check engine light. Yeah. You can look up the code and the code tells you something. So they're checking the codes on each thing. What is the problem? And every single one of them came back with an error that said, guidance and control system failure. So this guidance. So they got pantsed. They got <laughs> yeah. hacked. Yeah. yeah Someone basically. came in and just said, "You're off." Yeah. 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 But this is a thing that affected each individual 
uh, rocket. Yeah. So the guidance and control system on the rocket, not on the computer that like turned off the control system for the rockets. Each rocket got hacked. All ten of them. So not like EMP. The same thing. Which would shut down everything. Shut down everything. Right. Yeah. It was just turned off. Okay. Uh, this is scary and because wait, at one, that moment, one if, note of clarification. Yeah. That happened while this red circle is still on top of Hovering over the top, yeah. So this is not a movie, it should be. (laughs) I'm sure it's been in movies. I'm sure they've done it. So uh, they start, of course, panicking because what this means is um, in the middle of the Cold War, suddenly they are not able to launch nukes. And something, even more than that they're not able to launch them, Something turned them off Yeah, that wasn't them. Uh, Solace gets on the phone, calls up to the command. He's like, hey, every one of our entire flight's offline. They all have this same guidance control failure. Uh, They say we're getting the same reports from other flights in the base. So there's multiple little flights in there. They are like, you know, just keep, do, you know, do the, process of try to get them back online and stuff so they send their people down to work on it and stuff they work through their shift they never come back on during solace's shift he his shift leaves the next shift comes in they get everything working eventually but hmm. uh for several hours they were not able to launch any nukes from that air force base air force base somehow okay now you probably will already explain this but uh-huh. getting them back on was it a matter of just turning the switch on and off? Uh, what, I think they, they went, figure out what the So I didn't find the was. details of that, but it sounds like they just went through their regular protocols and like, I don't know, turn them off, turn them back on, that kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. Huh. It sounds like it wasn't like, there was not a... No graffiti of a tag artist that I no, did No, nothing it. like yeah. that. No, it was not like uh, Dennis Nedry came on and said, ah, 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 yeah. you say the magic word. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was nothing... It just seemed like it all shut down. They just had to get it all back up. So they got it all working. So that was um, the story that Robert Salas told about that day. So there's another report from a different guy. His name is Patrick Madonna. McDonough. He uh, was outside the base, or he was outside the building. And he saw, and he was not part of either of those two groups that we first talked about. So he was not... Um, with the, what do you call them, the flight security controllers, and he was not with the other guy. He was doing something else, like he drives a truck okay. or something. Yeah. And uh, he saw, hovering 300 feet above the gate, what he called a 30 to 50 foot diameter disc with dim lights surrounding it and a bright light in the center. It hovered for 20 or 30 seconds, then shot off, then shot off instantly to the east, and there was never any noise or wind. So another story that one of the affidavits is a guy who was delivering something uh, between bases or something. He was on a road outside of the base and he saw, he did not see the thing in the air, but he saw what looked to him like there was a crash of a helicopter or something had crashed Hmm. and there were all of these military trucks around it and they wouldn't let anyone anywhere close to it. And he had to, like, go around it and stuff. And that's all he saw. Yeah. Um, so. Man. That story, that's all there is to that story. But <clears throat> if you think about it, this is some weird lights that came. And when the weird lights came, 
they something was able to shut down our nuclear capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a country, when you talk about national security, that is frightening and terrifying mm-hmm. that something would have the ability to do that. If Russia did that, we need to know how the heck did Russia do that? How can we protect ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it's things like this that um, have brought it up to kind of the government mm-hmm. as this is a thing we need to look at, you know, even though people are making some wild claims here about seeing things, um, it, we should look into it because if even one of them is really something that an adversary has that yeah. has some a technology that could either spy on us or turn off our our nukes or any of our military capability, we need to be prepared for that, right? So what did the government have a response? Do you know what the No so all that coming off So this stuff was all I mean basically it happened at a a base. Um, Yeah. The public didn't know about this. Uh Right. This was kept secret for years until it finally came out. Uh Right. How did Uh, it come out again? Uh, I don't know how it came out, but it's years later. I mean, the affidavits, all this stuff is uh, unclassified now. So I'm sure that somebody, my guess is somebody heard from somebody who was there Mm -hmm. or who knew the story. And then they filed a FOIA request for a Freedom of Information Act request to get information about it. And then it was released and came out. So what do people say is the explanation? Do they have, does anyone have a... So when I looked at the skeptical explanation yeah. about it, the uh, the best anyone can come up with is there was a, a bug in the system that mm. coincidentally went off when lights were out there. The lights were probably just, um, you know, uh, it could be, what do you call it? Like advanced, like they were testing mm-hmm. new airplanes or something, you know, new technologies out there that the soldiers weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. Could have been flares from an airplane. A lot of times that's the the uh, explanation that skeptics and the military will go with. Hey, flares. Flares. Drop, we dropped a bunch of flares and that's what this was. That's yeah. why there's no sound because flares drop with a parachute and it's silent. Oh. And so that's what it was. And you can drop them in a formation. Yeah. You can't drop them in a ring, really, but... Hmm. Um, you well, know, what's the UFO conspiracy? Or I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what would be the reason for aliens to do with that. So this particular situation has led a lot of people to believe that... Um, Aliens, or whoever they are, we'll just call them they or them, whoever they are, don't want us to use the nukes. They don't want us to blow up the world, right? Uh, They seem to have become more and more prevalent as our nuclear capabilities have increased. So more stories like that have come on. Right. Now, that may be just correlation. If a a non-human entity felt some sort of responsibility or desire to do that it feels like a pretty lame attempt i don't know like go in and turn them off real quick but we were able to turn it back on right and supposedly they probably crashed also so yeah it's like um, that's a good point yeah i agree it's kind of a lame attempt except for they were able to do it i guess and there's that's like hey guys look we could do this and if we can do this maybe we can do more yeah so like jeff was bringing up both military bases right 
and both during times of war. Yep. Um, when or Cold War. The government or yeah, are paying scientists. Yep. All this money to develop, and they both have something to do with weapons. Nukes and weapons. Is it so? Is well, that a trend with the uh, different it is, stories? It is. Uh, there. Well, there are a lot of trends, and I will say that not everything has to do with nukes, but there certainly feels like there is an overabundance of stories around bases where nuclear activity is happening. So. <laughs> Sorry, real real yeah. quick though. If I'm if I'm trying to buy this non-human right story okay. side of it, and this is what we're saying that they did to try to prevent us from using nukes, right? What did this non-human group think was going to happen from doing that? Did they think that we were going to say, "Wow, okay, everyone, turn your nukes off"? Right. I, I just, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to connect, or, you know, tie like, all the threads together. Thing? Like, okay, yeah. if this was possibly not just some other country trying to attack us, yeah, can I get the logic all the way there? Why I'm having a hard they? time. Okay. Yeah. May, what if, uh, what if their purpose in coming here is like in a lot of sci-fi movies, they need a place to live, and they don't want it to be irradiated okay right uh what if another idea is what if they actually created us and don't want us to destroy ourselves uh what or if they have some connection to us and don't want us to destroy ourselves yeah what if they actually are from here and don't want us to destroy their home either Mm -hmm. right maybe they're um, they, uh, uh, so have you all seen the movie Idiocracy? So uh-uh. that the, <laughs> it's a Mike Judge film okay. and it's brilliant and kind of a little bit heart, uh, breaking on how accurate it is. Prophetic but, it is. Yeah, prophetic. The, the concept of the idea is, um, intelligent people. Like, evolution is supposed to be survival of the fittest, but what happens in our time is that intelligent people aren't having children because they're, they're you know, doing their careers and stuff and waiting for the right time and stuff. Meanwhile, yeah. the people with the lower IQs are just pumping out babies like crazy. Okay. And so pretty soon, the lower intelligence people take over completely and all of the smart people go away. And so 500 years from now... Uh, it's just idiots that that are in the earth, you uh-huh. know. And so a guy who in the movie, a guy who is completely average now, shows up in the 500 years later, and he's the smartest guy on the planet, right? Because okay. right? yeah. we've messed up evolution. Because we've messed up the definition of fit. That's right. Exactly. The, yeah. the fit now doesn't actually provide any societal benefit. Right. Yeah. And so what if these whoever they are? What if they are like? Um, a society who has kind of learned technology and, and learned at a different rate than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And they have kind of matured past the, hey, let's blow everybody up. Yeah. And they're worried that we are not going to mature past that and they want us to get there. And so they're trying to make some effort to try to stop us, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, the the truth is, when it comes down to it, what they did is scare us. 
and it's a fear that scares us even till today as far as um, national security. But I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me not to. It's hard for me to make that leap from. I can totally believe that other countries are developing technology that is beyond what we common day right. people understand and that they're practicing and they're, you know, doing mm-hmm. these different things. And they're tra- so like I could, I could get behind that a hundred percent. So then bringing in it, it is a leap, mm-hmm. but I love the leap. Yeah. Like I, so I just watched star Wars into darkness okay. last night with my girls. If you remember the beginning of the episode of the movie, it is, they're running, they're in this, okay, so they're in this world where they're just um, Wait, what still hunter-gatherers, Star Trek into oh, darkness. Star Trek into Did the, I say Star Wars? Yeah, Star, Star Trek. Trek into darkness. Okay. They're, they, they're trying to save it from the volcano that's oh, right. going to blow yeah, up. Is, they send right. Spock into the volcano with his technology to freeze, to freeze the, it. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Kirk and you know they're running away and but the whole thing was you cannot show prime your directive. ship the prime yeah. directive you <laughs> cannot show your ship right but they're trying to use a higher technology to uh you know save prevent this this, this yeah save this society and then ultimately they see the ship yeah and it their and technology it is greater everything. it changes everything and they put these signs on the yeah um I think that stuff is cool. Yeah. And like, I, so I think about that. So, Sometimes I mean, these UFO stuff, that I they... think about these, yeah, like higher, no, we don't want them is to the know that we are. the prime directive just that a higher power can help us but not show us? No, the, the, the actual oh. prime directive in Star Trek is that they are not allowed to interfere. So yeah. they're breaking the prime directive by yeah. even helping them. But uh, throughout all of Star Trek, captains do that all the time in fact in strange new worlds there was a recent episode where they address the fact that captains all the time break the prime directive when they deem that it's kind of the best thing to do okay right to save a society yeah you will break a prime directive so it's their number one law that they will never break yeah they will do it in some case anyway and so when we're talking this, and I'm pulling back, but we'll go back into okay. the details. But but my pullback is this idea. I think it's very cool to imagine this, these, um, whether they're us, whatever, but beings that have a higher form of technology and they may not be on this planet, but they uh-huh. are traveling to whatever they do, help, or they're coming in, or right. someone's like, oh, why did you take the cloaking device you know, button off, right, Jerry? Yeah. You know, come on, like you spilled your drink yeah. on the. <laughs> yeah, you spilled your drink now on. Now they can see us. Yeah, exactly. Now they can see us. And it reflects we have no trust in our current local leaders that we want someone to be taking care of us. I'd. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I just wanted to give that big thing of like that's where I'm at. There is precedent that we know of of our own government. Uh, obviously, they are they are developing technologies that they don't want our adversaries to know about, right? right. It's always about trying to have the tools and the weapons and the abilities that are more powerful than your opponent, mm-hmm. right? If your opponent knows what you can do, then they can work to try to defend against it. And we know, uh, well, Area 51 is a good example, and we're not going to talk a ton about Area 51 in this episode, but Area 51 is a 
Air Force Base in uh, Nevada. And for decades and decades and decades, the official word was Area 51 does not exist. There's no such thing. Uh, it's also called Groom Lake Air Force Base or Groom Lake, which is it's a it's a dry lake bed. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for years. Then finally they said, OK, yeah. I mean, everyone knew it existed. You could drive up and look at it. You could, you could see the signs around it that said "Deadly Force Authorized" if you cross this fence. And they gradually expanded their fence out further and further, so it's harder and harder to see. But you can get up on a mountaintop and look down and see the Air Force base mm-hmm. is there that the uh, Air Force claims did not exist. Now they ex- they admit it exists. It does exist. And yes, we do or we have done. Um, secret testing of new technologies. Uh, things like the U-2 airplane, the one that flies super high up in the air and can take photographs down of everything, you know, oh. and spy. Also the SR-71, which is, do you know which one that no. is? Oh, it's the coolest one. It's the one that the X-Men fly as their airplane. Anyway, oh, that cloaks? It that, doesn't cloak, but well, that's what it looks like. It's it's. But it SR-71. looks like the X-Men. Oh. Yeah. And... Awesome. Uh, the stealth technology, the yeah. stealth bomber and the stealth fighter, those were all developed in uh, Area 51 and tested. And this is a place where we know when they finally told us about the stealth bomber and the stealth fighter. So that was a kid who watched X-Men uh-huh. growing up and said, I'm going to build that ship. Yeah. And then they went and did it because they're geniuses. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what that did. Yeah, That's so cool. <laughs> So, okay. we, I mean, when they finally told us about the stealth fighter and the stealth bomber, it had been developed and being tested for, like, 15 yeah. years or something like that, right? And well, something that important and secretive is yeah. the reason they end up finally giving in and caving and telling is because they finally either there's no value in secrecy or they see the writing on the wall or what is so, it, Or is it a combination of all different reasons um, of why... Somebody once explained to me that once something becomes declassified, it's already obsolete. So the reason why they tell us is because they don't need to keep it a secret anymore. And they have stuff that is way more advanced than whatever they tell us about. So when something just freshly comes out and says, hey, look at this new technology we have. It's like, yeah, they've got stuff way more advanced than that that they're not telling us about. Anyway, so we know that the government has tested things. And if you look at a... Uh, stealth bomber, it's like wings, and the stealth fighter, it's just a triangle, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, one of the m- one of the most common shapes of UFOs that people have reported is a triangle. Mm. And in fact, that actually leads me to the next story, okay? Which is the story called the Phoenix Lights. This one happened in uh, nineteen ninety seven or ninety four. Let me look. Oh, ninety seven. So 1997, in March 13th, thousands of people saw something over Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona, Mm -hmm. okay? What they saw were two things. The first thing was five lights in a V shape that flew silently over from Nevada, over Arizona, and then disappeared. Some people saw it very closely, and could see it up against the sky that what it actually looked like that it was solid and shaped like um, a guy explained that it was 
Some witnesses claimed that it passed directly over them only 150 feet overhead and looked like a 60-degree carpenter square with lights embedded in it. Hmm. So I've got a... This is an artist illustration, but this is like the most famous picture. Um, this was in the newspaper, and this is what witnesses said it looked like. Okay. Now, that does look like a... Similar to... Uh, you know, a stealth bomber, stealth whatever. Yeah. But those things came out like we knew about those before this. So okay. people already knew what a stealth fighter and stealth yeah. bomber looked like. Uh, this is kind of skinnier, though. Now, some unusual things about this is that it was silent. It passes by, and it's completely silent. Stealth uh, bomber 2.0? <laughs> yeah. Have you all ever seen a stealth bomber in real life? Like, have you seen no. a flyover? So. Uh, I saw one mm -hmm. at an air show. It came and flew over us. They are not stealth to your ears. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, they, it was so loud that yeah. I, I literally had to cover my ears with yeah. my hands, and it was painful. They were wow. so loud. Yeah. Um, they're stealth to radar and to things like that, but not stealth to your ears. Okay. Okay. I did not Wait, know that. does that mean they just go really fast, and that's why they can't get picked up on radar? No, it's or because Or is it outside of my... Yeah, Knowledge. so how, how radar <laughs> yeah. works is it sends a radio wave out to something, and when it hits something, that bounces back. And so, like, if there's a surface, the radio beam... It dodges it, those pings. And it comes back to it. And what a stealth thing does is it either... It, it's a combination of it grabs those and absorbs them so they do, <laughs> doesn't release them. Oh, or... It hits them and bounces them off at Sounds a weird like thing. like a Pokemon. Which is why they, the stealth fighter and stuff have like these weird angles all over it. Because every time... That's so cool. Yeah, every time the radar hits it, ping, they would shoot off in other directions, right? So, <laughs> now this happened... But so, okay, back yeah, to the ahead. story. Yeah, there's good reason to believe that this isn't simply just a it's stealth not a bomber stealth. We know it's not a it, stealth. It can't yeah, be. Right. Well, I mean, or, it's silent. We to this day we don't have anything that's silent that mm, is this big. Mm. Um, it traveled over three hundred miles. This happened between seven thirty p.m. and ten thirty p.m. So, thousands of people saw it in the city. Um, they Jerry, why did you do that at <laughs> seven thirty to ten thirty? I mean, at least do it at midnight. So one of the, interestingly, you know, the actor Kurt Russell. Yeah. He's a pilot, and he has his own private Cessna, and he was flying in the Phoenix area and saw the lights. Dude. In the he, air. Like, he, he was currently, he was in the air when he was saw in the, the air. He saw the lights, and he, it was enough of a concern to him that he called down to the radio tower, and, and his report is probably the first official, like, record of it happening. Because he's like, hey, there's these weird lights. He He's an experienced pilot. These are not lights that he should see. You know, when airplanes are up there, they have lights that are different colors on the wings mm. so that there's no the collisions flicker, yeah. and stuff. They're called collision lights. So you know which side's the left and which side's the right. These didn't have those. They were just like five dots, five lights in there. Um, they were now, moving that, or they were still, were they, they moving? Were, they were moving. So it moved slowly or fast, whatever. It moved swiftly, but silently from uh, Nevada past Phoenix over to Tucson. That and was and the, maybe you already said this. They they saw him for three hours straight. Well, yeah, like people continuously. So on its path, it wasn't just a flash. No, no, no. It it was there. Just it was like this craft that just kind of flew over this whole long 
thing. It took three hours for it to happen. Now, there, there are two parts to this. Okay, so that's the first thing that happened. Then after that, just a short time after that, um, a series of lights appeared in a V formation over Phoenix and hovered there silently. Okay, and I actually have video of it, and I'm going to show you all this video. So this video is old VHS video. This is 1994 mm -hmm. or 1997. Sorry, this is happening in 1997. And so this is but just this somebody. Is of the actual. This is the this is the second event that happened. So after the initial V formation flies by, then this these lights appear over Phoenix and they hover there for. Wait, was this December 24th? No, it wasn't. It was March 13th. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. They <laughs> that is straight up UFO. Got it. That's a hundred percent. Do you think that's UFO and not um that's not government military? No, that's a hundred percent. Really? That's alien. Okay. Oh yeah, look. It, it kind of feels balloons. alien. Definitely weather balloons. As in, no, <laughs> it's just like that's creepy. Okay, I think so. You actually saw that in real life. If yeah. you were out in your yeah. front porch. Absolutely. I'd be free I'd be you'd, creeped out. You'd blow my mind. Yeah. So can you tell our listeners what did you see what did it look like uh who's good at describing that i mean it looked like ahead, five but... white lights in a row over a city like just okay. in a line kind of blinking one like didn't come on until so you a saw one come on a little later. bit later yeah right? a couple seconds later um and if we continue watching they didn't move no they didn't they just kind of sit there uh, as we continue watching, they also kind of start to disappear almost one at a time. Okay. Um, there were the footage just feels very real. Like yeah. it doesn't feel doctored. No. So they talk about this, and the people who saw it, like thousands of people in the city, saw this happening. Even if they didn't see the first thing, they saw the second thing, and they are they talk about how this was like. Um, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Like the distance between the, from the angle that we saw on this, it looked like a straight line, but from a different angle, it, you could see it made a big V mm. and it, it was actually like, um, I think it was eight lights in this case that ultimately it was eight lights in a V formation and they just kind of hover there for a long time and then slowly go away. So that, um, it's several minutes at least yeah. that they're there. Do you guys remember, I can't remember which Olympics it was, and I think they've maybe done maybe multiple times, but the drone, um, have you oh, yeah. seen those things where they use the drones to and make pictures, pictures and stuff yeah. like that? You so that's kind of like kind of reminding yeah. me of that. The first time I saw it, it just like blew my mind. I was right. like, what in the world is going out there? They've been able to program these to make shapes up there. And so some of this is is reminding is making me think of drone technology yeah yeah so some of the people there on the ground claim that when they were under those lights they could look up and you could not see the stars so they're claiming that it was a solid triangle the whole thing was a solid mm. triangle uh, like i said triangles are a common shape of ufo or uap now uh, investigators, so cops, everyone's getting calls. Hey, there's these lights. We saw them fly by, and now there's more lights up on over the city. What's going on? Uh, people made calls to nearby Air Force bases. Hey, are you guys flying? Like, 
do you guys have any things going on today? They all said, no, we don't. There's nothing going on. A few days later, they yeah, what did they story. say later? Oh man, they always after all they of gotta that. have stories like <laughs> baked in. So they claim the military says that it was actually not even a few days later. So this happened in March. It was in July when the Air Force changed their story. Okay, they said that both sets of lights were part of a pilot training exercise, and that the first set was five A-10 aircraft flying in formation. They claimed that they were using what they call formation lights, which is one single light instead of collision lights because they're flying in formation. Um, as military planes, they are not required, like they don't have to use collision lights. And while they're doing formation exercise, they don't need them because they're flying in formation. Um, and the second set were those same A-10s. So they said that those A-10s flew from Nevada over to Tucson. Then they did a U-turn and they came back over Phoenix. And as they were coming over Phoenix, they dropped a bunch of flares. And the second set of lights were flares. And the reason why you see them kind of fade on and mm. then also fade off is because they're flares dropped again by parachutes that are falling very slowly. And they burn, they come on at a certain time and then they just kind of burn for a while and then they burn out and that's why they all kind of come on and off at their individual times but what about the no sound yeah that's a good yeah. question so let me tell you another thing there was uh, an astronomer who came out who said that he was out on a uh whatever at a observatory and he was using the telescope he was going to be looking at some stuff and he noticed the lights so he focused his telescope on the lights this is on the first set of lights and he says that what he saw was clearly the he it looked like the lights were clearly at the ends of squared off wings uh like individual aircraft in formation and that they were very very high up now, if they're very high up, you would assume you wouldn't hear the sound. Yeah. Now, we know that airplanes can, at a certain height, you can still hear them. I mean, we hear jets flying over, even though they're extremely high yeah. up, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard an A-10, but they're loud. Mm. And so I don't know how high up they would have to be for us to not hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is strange that there's no sound, even if they are actually A-10s flying up very high. Um. So here we have the military who changed their story. And what the military says also is that this, <laughs> their official, this is them saying this. Yeah. Their official thing is that the flight path of this, uh, pre- this exercise they were doing was actually from north to south. That it went alongside this mountain range mm-hmm. across Phoenix. Um, and that does not match with the actual direction that the lights went. Okay. Okay. The lights went from West to East and not North to South. And so (laughs) can you imagine these writers, what they have to do? They took four months and they made a a mistake like that. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. And then there's the other question of why would the military drop flares over a populated city? I mean, not that flares are like dangerous or anything, but 
they do this kind of like they drop flares all the time i've seen tons of videos of them dropping flares and it's not unusual for them to drop them in a v formation mm -hmm. but they do it out over a testing site or yeah. over the desert right well not so over that a could have been just city. a situation that the the real event was like a hot like a real someone was trying to attack us the military intervened right and, and then they took some time to have to like Maybe. Make a story. Oh, it was actually just an exercise. Yeah. And that's why it was over a populated city. Right. Because, I mean, you can't Yeah, because why that. would you ever do an exercise over a populated city? If you were doing an exercise like that, that you obviously would know could be seen, unless Jerry messed it up somehow, <laughs> was like, uh, you would tell everyone, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, again, but then if in it, the aftermath, you like, don't want to say, you don't want to worry the the population by saying, oh, yeah, we were almost attacked or this incident no. happened. So but you come up you with tell, this story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it could also be a thing, just imagine a situation where you've got an adversary maybe in the mountains in the Middle East, and you're doing an exercise that happens to coincide with the, topolo the topography of a place in Afghanistan or mm. something, and you're not, or in Iraq, and you don't want them to know because of things, events that are going. You don't want to just come out and say, oh, hey, we're practicing raiding... Yeah you know for uh, mountains phoenix mountain has exactly the topography no, just, <laughs> of where our terrorists no i i know exactly what you know you've you, seen I totally look, get it top yeah. gun maverick they're doing the test yeah. over a ravine right, right. oh That's yeah totally. they risk our lives all the time thing. what are we even saying like the government doesn't care like oh we might hit some <laughs> cities like they don't re we are well below the margin of error for yeah. them <laughs> yeah right so that's the, a that's that story that one right there is the biggest for me so far yeah. that's the one that hits that's for sure the alien hits. or for sure no government it just something makes there. the biggest question mark yeah even though i i probably why is it because you have footage so yeah actually i i will tell you and thousands of people have seen it yeah yeah jeff what are your thoughts on this first? yeah it, it, well i don't know if you've seen i don't know if you're going to get into it there's lots and lots of stories yeah. but the i think netflix had an, an episode on their most recent season of Unsolved Mysteries, where they, and I had talked to you about this before, I think, oh. Ben, to watch. Um, it was a similar situation, but it was over Lake Michigan. Okay. I'm not sure when, but it was some kind of flights that all these people saw these lights, and they were going over really fast okay. without sound, and would change direction. And I think they had... Um, Someone I was watching it on um, monitoring on um, the radar base or something, and he said, "Yeah, I've never seen anything that flies like that that changes direction mm -hmm. that moves so quickly from one place to the other." And then there were all these—I mean, hundreds of people that saw these lights right. at night and that went over Lake Michigan and. And they thought maybe went into the water or something. Right. It, anyway, it was very interesting uh, because it was one of those unsolved mysteries. It sounds very similar to that. But yeah. again, you can explain it to be like, well, maybe there's some kind of, uh, you know, technology that the military has. That top testing. secret stuff. Yeah, that's, that's top secret it. that they're yeah. trying out. Why would they tr test that out over Phoenix? Right. Is Where everyone's going to see it. me. But yep. I mean, it kind of makes sense with the flares and the lights and the formations. I mean, it's obviously something they need to test at night, but maybe it's some kind of technology where they were like, well, our ships are silent and we'll fly over Phoenix and see if anyone notices. Or yeah. I don't know. Some, sometimes That's, people yeah. make some yeah. random de decisions like that and just want to see 
if they can get away with it. Or, or it could be Maverick trying to do a flyby. Yeah, that's true. Or what if it's an adversarial country uh-huh. doing it and being like, you see what we just did there? And don't want US? to freak the U.S. out that Russia just flew we over could just, Phoenix. Yeah, we yeah, could do this. Without us knowing I mean, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so Because yeah. also, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. But also I was going to say, when they're when the government's doing their, their cost-benefit analysis in that time, <laughs> yeah. I mean, social media wasn't what it, wasn't it there, is right. today. So if, yeah. I'm just the saying from their new. perspective, they're probably like, if some people see... Who cares? They'll just we'll just paint them as That's wackos, right. and it's only going to be a local story, it, and we'll it, just it'll it die local. in yep. a day. Whereas today, they couldn't yeah. put it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So their decisions are going to be going to turn out different nowadays. Yeah. I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah. So I'll tell you that uh, when I look at the video, to me, that looks like flares. Does it? It looks. I've seen so many videos of flares, and that's what it looks like. Okay. Like. Uh, and specifically the coming on at different times and going off at different times that says flares to me okay now, are we talking like huge flares like so i'm thinking of like in the back of my car i pull this thing yeah, and it's like that but they're bigger okay. and they put them on parachutes and they drop them so that it lights up a whole battlefield so that the people down on the ground can actually see what's going on okay right um but that's the second lights and the first lights the five that were the thing people saw it and say that it was only 150 feet above them and silent and they could see the silhouette right Mm. now i have thought a lot about this uh i think that people in general unless you are well let me put it this way i used to work for ups uh in their warehouse and i was just like taking boxes off of a conveyor belt and putting them on a different conveyor belt and Uh, You can grab the box and the weight of the package is written right on there. And I got in the habit of every time I would pick up a box, I would look to see how much it weighed. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where using my hands, I could actually weigh something. And I knew how much something weighed within under 75 pounds because that was like the max that we were dealing with. The moment it was 76, he had no idea. Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, and and I was really good at it because I was to the point where – my brother-in-law said, hey, I have to mail this snowboard. How much does it weigh? And I picked it up. And I was like, it's 12 and a half pounds. And he weighed it. And sure enough, it was 12 and a half That's pounds. That's awesome. So I have a secret that skill. Was, that was my experience there. People like butchers and stuff, they can do this also. They can yeah. just, with their hands, they know how much it is. So there are people who are trained, maybe like pilots and stuff like that, who can look at distances or look at how high an airplane is or something and tell you how high up it is, right? Mm. I don't have that experience. And that's a thing that when I look, I, I've been testing myself, like how high would I say that thing is, mm-hmm. right? I can, cl- I can definitely say that I know the difference between 150 feet up and 20,000 feet, mm-hmm. up, okay? That is a distance that I'm not going to confuse, Yeah. probably. Yeah. And I think that these people who say that they saw this thing and it was only 150 feet up, I think that they were right that it was only 100, maybe it was 300 feet, maybe it was 500 feet, but it wasn't thousands of feet Mm -hmm. up, right? Yeah. And this was not something that was 80,000 feet up and outside of where you could hear it and stuff like that. Like this is low enough they should have seen it or should have heard it and that they could still see it in the night sky. So my thought is that the first thing was, I think the first thing was something. 
I think it was a UFO of some sort, and that the government was trying to hide that. They were chasing it? Well, I think that they were just trying to, like, it, it's called disinformation. They were... They came in and they dropped flares, yeah, so, so that, that they, they could, could say that as the immediately hey, use the story. Yeah, we the, they were both us, and they were you know, and it was and you very apparent it. right over. Yeah, you could see it. You could yeah. see it was just us, and hey, we did both things. You just didn't get video of yeah. it, but it was us the whole time. Man, they're brilliant. That's a pretty elegant theory, though, yeah. because it weaves in a lot of the threads of both sides, and I, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, good. and it totally could be that. Yeah, I I don't know because there isn't any video of the first thing that yeah. that I have ever found. So yeah. maybe there is. And listener, if you know of any, uh, hit me up at uh, so strange at otherside dot com and let me know if you know of where there's video of the first thing from from the Phoenix Lights. I'd love to see it. Okay, so now let's kind of talk about the official view from the u.s government about ufos so back in back in 1952 so we're gonna go back in time this is after roswell just a few years after roswell in 1952 the government decides hey we should look into ufos because even though we talk about we've talked about three or four things here there are (coughs) thousands of ufo reports every year Mm -hmm. in fact I mean, here, out of the four of us, two of us have seen yeah. something we can't yep. identify, right? In the general public, uh, it's believed that 33%, so a third of the public, has seen a UFO. Hmm. Uh, again, UFO meaning something they can't identify that seems unusual hmm. in the sky. So the government decides, hey, we should look into this, and they create a thing called Project Blue Book. There were actually other things before this project sign and stuff like that but it became project blue book which was the official thing these were like this is like the this is Mulder and scully yeah. something happens and they go and investigate and it was headed up by a guy who's a an astronomer named j allen Hynek. he was an uh, he had a phd in astrophysics so he was a knowledgeable guy when it comes to space, and his job oh, was. Why did this group get started? Is the president who said start uh, this group? A Congress probably. Um, they formed this thing, Project Blue Book, and they. So anytime reports came in, they would take the information, they would investigate it, they would determine is this a UFO, or what is it really? You know. It went from 1952 to 1969, and it was headquartered at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. It looked at thousands of reports, and over 90% of them it classified as identified, meaning they were either caused by a known astronomical, atmospheric, or artificial man-made phenomenon. So some of them, they would say, oh, we know what that is. Maybe it's a t- maybe it's a testing the U two airplane yeah. or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that we know what it is. Uh, you the the people who saw it just didn't know, misidentified it, whatever. We know what it is. So that's more than ninety percent. But that left seven hundred incidents that were unidentified, and these included cases where there just wasn't enough information to give it a cause. So of the seven hundred some certain amount of those are just like, we don't have enough information. This might be 
something we could identify. We just don't know mm-hmm. enough to identify it. <laughs> J. Allen Hynek, the guy who was hired to do the investigation, was a skeptic. And he did not believe in UFOs. And he suspected that in most cases they were made by unreliable witnesses or by persons who had misidentified man-made or natural objects. Um, before getting into the Project Blue Book, he's, he said, the whole subject seems utterly ridiculous and described UFOs as a fad that would pass soon. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, by the end of this, J. Allen Hynek flips, and he becomes a believer, and after leaving Project Blue Book, he creates a civilian organization called KUFOS, which is the Center for UFO Studies. Hmm. So he becomes a believer after this. But the official word on Project Blue Book, after years of, of studying it, they decided that there wasn't anything worth studying. Okay. Um, part of the thing that, that affected that was in 1966, the Air Force kind of got fed up with everything and they decided to do their own investigation and they did this thing they called the Condon Report. Uh, that's because it was headed up by Dr. Edward Condon. Uh, he's based out of the University of Colorado. So he did his own study for the Air Force uh, that was parallel with yeah. Project Blue Book. And he said that there is nothing. Let me see here. The sightings they examined showed no evidence of any unusual activity and rec- recommended that the Air Force stop investigations into UFO related incidents. In response to this, uh, the Project Blue Book was shut down. Okay. Now, J. Allen Hynek has been very public about, I mean, he's passed away now but he had been very public about um he's written books and stuff and he says you know i was told to come up with an answer like he he's known as the guy who like comes up with the you you might remember this from men in black the movie men in black light refracting off of venus onto swamp gas or something like that these are the kinds of answers that he literally would tell people oh you just It was the light of Venus reflecting off of something you think was a thing, right? Uh, When asked why he flipped, why he changed his point of view, he said that there were two things. This is a quote from him. Two things, really. One was the completely negative and unyielding attitude of the Air Force. They wouldn't give UFOs the chance of existing, even if they were flying up and down the street in broad daylight. Everything had to have an explanation. I began to resent that even though I basically felt the same way because I still thought they weren't going about it in the right way. You can't assume that everything is black no matter what. Secondly, the caliber of the witnesses began to trouble me. Quite a few instances were reported by military pilots, for example, and I know them to be fairly well trained. So this is when I first began to think that, well, maybe there was something to all of this. Mm. So he goes in as a hardcore skeptic, And he's towing the line of finding out ridiculous explanations for everything. Nothing, none of this, going in with the attitude that none of it's real. Yeah. Everything can be explained. But then as he's talking to people and he's coming across things that can't easily be explained uh, from people who are not kooks. These are people who 
are level-headed and maybe don't want to tell everyone. They don't want it. They're not doing it for fame. They don't want even want to tell anyone that they saw something. Yeah. Uh, but they report it to him and, you know, please keep it secret and stuff. And he's like, whoa, they don't want anyone to know that they saw this and they're still going to tell me that kind of thing. Mm. In 1969, when they shut down Project Blue Book, that was officially the government getting out of UFOs, right? They decided, we don't care. We don't want to be involved with it. We're not going to waste any more time or money on yeah. it. And that was the official line. Yeah. Until 2017. In 2017, there was an uh, article that was run in the New York Times. This was written by Ralph Blumenthal, Leslie Kane, and Helene Cooper. Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane uh, are known and career journalists like real journalists they're not like ufo journalists yeah. they're like regular journalists who have worked for the new york times for decades and helene cooper is the new york times correspondent at the pentagon like she spends her whole she has an office in the pentagon and reports stuff uh, in the new york times from the pentagon yeah. okay so these are like real people these yeah. are not kooks and this was on the front page article of the New York Times. Uh, I don't know if you ever, if you read it. I, I remember when it came out and it completely blew my mind. Yeah. Do I read you, it, you I I read it this morning. Oh, okay. So it, it's called, uh, the heading of it is called Glowing, let's see, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Project. Okay. So Glowing Auras and okay. Black Money. Yeah. So what they reported was that the federal government has secretly been studying UFOs for a long time. And specifically, they are talking about a program that was called AWSAP, A-W-S-S-A-P, which stands for um, Advanced Weapon Systems Special, Ag Special Access Program mm -hmm. from 2007 to 2012 this program was running and then it became a program called ATIP advanced aerospace advanced aerospace threat identification program so it it morphed into that uh there was like 20 million dollars 22 million dollars that was you know shoehorned for this project and what they were doing is studying UFOs that were reported by the military and things like that yeah like actual threats that seem to be like, oh, things like the Malmstrom Air Force Base that we were talking about, yeah. but things that are going on now. Now, with this story, they released three videos that came from the Navy of UFOs or UAPs. So this is when we start calling them UAPs, okay? Yeah. They, uh, the, the three videos are called, they have the names Gimbal, Go Fast, and Fleer just based off of either what you know what's in the video or uh fleer in that case it was a fleer camera which is a uh infrared camera mm. and they show um what these videos show are ufos that pilots saw in the 2000s so modern times this is i think 2012 is when some of them were happened um the one called FLIR it has been more commonly referred to now as the Tic Tac. 
So you may have heard of Tic Tac. They call it the Tic Tac because it's shaped like a Tic Tac. Yeah. And it was flying. Now, let me tell you the story of the Tic Tac. Uh, I think he's Colonel... F- or not, I don't want to call his... I don't know what his rank is. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, Fravor is his last name. He was the pilot. And he was flying off of the USS Nimitz. And they get a call that, hey, there's weird activity happening out over this specific area of the ocean. Go out and take a look. So he goes out along with another, uh, at least one or two more airplanes. They all fly out to this area. And with his eyes, he sees the Tic Tac. He sees it. um, He says that it flies from like really high up and then it shoots straight down at the towards the surface of the ocean and then stops at like 20,000 feet or something um and then he can see a disturbance then he sees it then it goes down and it's flying around the ocean and he sees a disturbance under the water uh that's a like i think i heard him say that it was like the size of a 747 or something under the water a disturbance something is happening on the ocean surface this thing flies around um it flies some circles then it flies back up it's going extremely fast and it is making turns that are impossible to do they break physics mm-hmm. you can't do that he reports it and they send some more planes out and these planes one of them has a FLIR um camera on it and it this pilot doesn't see it with his eyes but he sees it in his camera and that's the video that we see and he catches it and it's this shaped like a tic tac it's like a you know a cylinder with round edges round Mm -hmm. ends and it's flying around and it i mean there's stories that like they lose sight of it and then they hear from the Nimitz that it's now in their airspace 60 miles away, like in an instant. Mm-hmm. It just like traveled so fast. So it's super fast doing weird things. These are pilots. They saw this and they reported it and OSAP and ATIP were investigating it. Uh, the other one's Gimbal. Uh, it, this is a an airplane that looks, or an airplane, I say it's an airplane. This craft they have on their video it's again it looks like a FLIR image it's black and white and grainy but it's kind of shaped imagine a like a u like a classic ufo like a flying saucer with a dome on the top Mm -hmm. but it's at an angle and it's flying sideways Mm. and then at a certain point it rotates so that the dome is facing the other direction but it just like in space just kind of flips over as it's flying forward which is physically impossible is it kind of like Boba Fett's? Um, yeah, it's like I mean, it, it kind of does like what Boba Fett's thing does. Yeah. But if you watch Boba Fett's thing, yeah, Slave One, that's what it is. Slave that's One, right? Called. Yeah, it takes off and then it has to yeah. kind of, it has to hover for a second while yeah. it changes direction. This yeah. thing is moving in one direction and rotates while it's <laughs> while it's moving in a direction without yeah. changing its speed. And then Go Fast is this thing that is moving so incredibly fast that. It's just ridiculous. Like, you mm. see it fly past this guy's thing a few times, and then his radio locks on. And you can hear on Go Fast and Gimbal, you can hear their, uh, the pilots talking to each other and just flipping out about how much of yeah. what they're seeing and how weird it is and yeah. how crazy. Anyway, so Those this was cool. a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, now, the, we find out that the government secretly has, like, they, they see a reason 
reason enough that they need to be investigating this, that there are things um, that are kind of having run-ins with our pilots, with our military, and somebody out there, maybe an adversary, has technology that is concerning enough to, that is advanced beyond what we have, and mm-hmm. that's concerning. This sparks uh, a fervor in Congress, and uh, several. There are a lot of people, both in the Senate and in the House of Representatives, who are behind this. Who are like, "Hey, this is a national security issue. We have got to investigate this." Spurred from the article. Spurred from the article, right? Um, or did at Jody, least the did article. Jody tell us how the article got. How did they get access to the information that they yeah, got? Yeah, so they met. Um, there's that story is out. They met somebody who was formerly from that program. Um, well, for one thing, there's a guy that we know, the guy who was in charge of the program. His name is Lou Elizondo. And he was the investigator of that. And he, um, in 2012, I believe, he gave it, he, he showed, and he shared this, it's in the article. He, resigned and he said basically i'm resigning because i keep telling you guys i'm I'm investigating this you have me investigating you this i keep telling you this is something we need to do more with Mm. right this is a concern these things i'm seeing and it's not getting past the people above me it's kind of a project blue book kind of thing again where they're doing it but somebody somewhere doesn't want it to go anywhere and I, I've actually heard a lot of discussion in this that there's a lot of people in the military and the government who have very r- strong religious uh, reasons for not wanting this to be um, alien. Hmm. And they do not want this out, and so they won't let it get out. Hmm. Like, it's, it's a very strong Like, there's thing a secret that society that takes out people that... <laughs> I don't know about to that. Pass it along. No, is but it, it's just is like it as simple as the people in control. This this information would break their control of power. I mean, th- so, so that's a bigger question. That might be, from what I gather, it's the kind of thing where Lou Elizondo is trying to report. Hey, this is something important, and he his direct report that he's giving it to is a guy who yeah. whose um, faith will not allow him to let this be real, and therefore does not pass it on any further um i don't know that specifically him but it's that kind of thing yeah or or they just look at that department as you know filled with quacks right and it could be really give them any time of day right that that would be you know take any time or energy from our military or defenses yeah it's like it's a waste of time this isn't real anyway whatever so we're not going to do anything with it but these videos and which are declassified, but they had been classified previously, um, and the story of ATIP and Lou Elizondo, all of this came out. Congress, um, led by Senator Gillibrand from New York, she kind of said, "Hey, we need to investigate this, and we need to do it in a way that the American people know about it and are included in this so that they can see that we're taking it seriously and that it's not just a kooky thing, right? <laughs> so they create what is now called Arrow, which we mentioned before, the uh, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Um, this is currently led by, or it's direct, the director is Sean Kirkpatrick, who, and his job 
just like in Project Blue Book with J. Allen Hynek, his job is to take all of these reports of UFOs or UAPs, and he specifically, his approach is that he's they're doing very scientific uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And what they are requiring, they are not going based off of uh, anecdotal evidence, at least not alone. So if somebody says, hey, I saw this thing, they're like, okay, that's great, but you have to have with it some kind of sensor data. So radar that goes mm-hmm. with it or FLIR video or something, and the more data, the better, so that they can look at it. And so they're using every kind of measurement tool that exists for all of these things. And when they are around military bases or ships or things like that, then there's a lot of data that they can gather, right? Or sometimes the absence of data is also data, hmm. right? It didn't show up on our radar, but we saw but it with, we saw. with cameras and stuff, that kind of thing. Um, along with this, NASA also created a um, kind of an investigation group that is investigating things from the NASA-style standpoint, which is scientific science. But mm-hmm. they are, from, my, from what I gather, they're kind of more... Um, Sean Kirkpatrick is absolutely when he <laughs> talks about it and when he presents stuff, it is like if I don't have enough evidence, I can't say it's something. NASA's more like, hey, we have some evidence and this evidence leans towards this thing. Mm. Uh, Sean Kirkpatrick will not comment on the viability of something if he doesn't feel like there's enough evidence okay. for it. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is there's a lot of criticism from both sides about both the old programs, OSAP, ATIP, and the current one, Arrow. A lot of criticism from both the skeptical side and the believer side. So okay. it's like, when nobody's happy, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, probably. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'll tell you some of the things. Um, Lou Elizondo, who uh, has become kind of a, a voice and a figure that people in the UFO community recognize and know because of who he was his background is that he came from the counter intelligence uh he's a career soldier in counter intelligence and cia that kind of he's stuff a CIA guy. yeah so counter intelligence meaning his his job is to create disinformation yeah right and i mean that's one of the things that he did he does a lot of other things so here is a guy who basically is coming out saying a bunch of stuff, but we know his job was to disinform people mm-hmm. on purpose to make people believe something to, you know, to cause rebellions and things like that. Anyway, so it's, but he's saying, yeah, I did all of that. I'm telling you this freely so that you know that, that I'm not trying to hide that from you. This is me. All of this stuff that I'm talking about is real yeah, and is really going on. Um, and the current thing is that, so with Arrow, what they do is um, once or twice a year, they have to give a, they have to do a classified hearing to Congress so they can talk about classified things with Congress. And then they have to do a public one where they give the public, tell the public how things are going. And all we get is the public one. We don't mm. get the classified one. But what we have learned in the couple of briefings that they've given to the public is that there are 
other things. So Sean Kirkpatrick showed a picture, showed a video of this thing they call the Mosul orb. It's a metal sphere that Mm -hmm. we have a camera, like a video of, and it flies across the sky over Iraq. Um, It's just a metal ball flying. And it's like from, from something higher filming it down and it cuts across the view of the camera. And there's no sign of propulsion or anything like that. And Sean Kirkpatrick says, here's a thing. For example, this is the kind of thing that we might receive, but I cannot classify this as a UAP. I can't even do anything with it because we have no other evidence other than this picture. This is Mm. not enough for me to determine whether it's something. Whereas NASA takes it and says, hey, this is pretty interesting. There's a lot of things we can glean from this. This might be a UAP that we don't know. There might, we don't seem to see any, you know, they're a little bit more, maybe it's something. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so... Hmm. Uh, there is some feeling that Arrow right now is a puppet of the government. Hmm. I was just about to ask, yeah. like, what what motivation or incentive does this group have that would lead me to believe that anything they tell me is not already filtered through whatever right. I'm trying to... Well, we know for... For one thing, I mean, because it's it's public knowledge and they're clear about it that we are not we the public are not getting the full thing because yeah. there's a whole classified section yeah. that we don't get to know. Now, if it's maybe in that classified section they say, Hey, look, these things, here's all of these things. These this is all classified, but this is all our stuff. <laughs> you know, we know what all of this is because it's our stuff. And we can't tell anyone about it, but that's what that is. You know, maybe some of it, maybe there is other stuff. Let me actually scoot up to the most current event thing, which is David Grush. So, uh, Bryce, do you remember what's going on with David Grush? I've only heard about it. I don't know the details, but. This guy, David Grush, is, um, he has been in kind of the UFO community, the official government ufo investigator he's part of the intelligence group like cia nsa those people okay, okay. this is not like i mean actually yes now you're right I, yeah, yeah he's he's part of the intelligence community and he's he is a veteran he was a soldier but he has been a civilian for a long time and he holds the highest security clearance that civilians can hold mm-hmm. and holds the highest rank like the equivalent of the highest rank that you could have in the military, but as a civilian. So he, this is not a nobody. This is a guy who's somebody. And he, um, earlier this year, filed a complaint. Oh, I should add this. Along with Arrow, Congress has also passed this thing uh, that is a whistleblower law that mm. said anyone who has worked with UFOs or knows of anything UAP related, if you've ever worked with them or recovered them or anything like that, uh, or have more information about them in a government project, you can come forward and break your uh, NDA, Mm. your top secret clearance, whatever, that you swore you would never tell anyone. You can tell us without repercussion. Um. 
and they do it, you know, in a classified setting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they're able to come up and and break their NDAs. And so he did that. And he came and he did a whistleblower claim and he said, I here are the things and he testifies to Congress. And as a result, he started to receive uh, negative repercussions like his security clearance was pulled which when you're in that job like you get the clearance and that allows you to have certain jobs because you have the clearance his security clearance was pulled right. yeah which should not have happened according to the law um he asked them about it whatever it gets reinstated but then he starts and the details are not clear for his own safety and for the safety of his family the details are not shared but it sounds like there were personal threats to him and his family things that uh, made him scared. And he had been in touch with Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane, the same people who dropped the New York Times article in 2017. He had been talking to them about this for some time. And they knew about him. They knew that he had testified and stuff. And they also knew that he was having these threats and stuff. So... Um, and then his name was leaked. Whoever is doing the threats leaked his name. So now people are starting to know that there's this guy out there and, um, it's a bad situation. And so they release their article. They try to do it at the New York post. They asked the New York times, New York times just said, no, we're not interested. New York post said, yes, we're interested, but they have to go through this fact checking problem or issue. Sorry, they they check all of the facts, you know, which is what they should do, which is not the problem. The problem is that because they're a big corporation, that takes a long time. Mm. And this guy's safety is out there, and they had to get this out to the public as fast as possible. So they went to this website called The Debrief, which is a website that publishes, like, uh, articles about um, defense and space and stuff like that. Mm. Um, They are a small organization. They went through the same, like, um, fact-checking. They checked to see, oh, David Grush is who he is. People uh, at the Pentagon can uh, say that that's who he is. He even provided a thing because he went to the Pentagon and said, hey, I'm going to tell these things in a, in a report. The Pentagon, he's got the paper that says from the Pentagon, um, yeah, you can say all of those things, but you can't show any pictures or anything like that you know that basically let him do that and also by doing that the pentagon is not acknowledging that these are fact yeah but we're not going to stop you from saying those things Mm -hmm. anyway he he they the debrief figures out that it's all real or like it's all legit at least like he is who he says he is there really is this case that's going on that he really did do the whistleblower thing with congress and they release this. And what his report says, what his whistleblower thing is, is that our government, that he has knowledge, he has not seen it with his own eyes, but he has had direct information from people that he works with that we have recovered um, spacecraft. I'm just going to say it this way. Spaceships, alien spaceships and stuff like that. Yeah, we yeah. have recovered them at least a dozen times over over the years and 
that the United States is not the only government. It's a world thing that governments all over are, you know, it's like a uh, Cold War where mm-hmm. everybody's trying to... It's like to, a retrieval Cold War is right, what he said, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's trying to be the first one there to get the thing and, and retrieve it. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't say spaceship. He doesn't say alien. Yeah. He calls them materials of non-human origin. Okay. Because, again, we don't know if it came from space. Uh, we don't know who it came from, but it's not like... By non-human origin, he means that it none no country here made this. Yeah, that we know of. The right? more I hear about this story, the more I get the sense, and maybe this you can help me put it in perspective. But uh-huh. it feels like this is this is our present day Roswell. Yeah, like, this is a big deal. Well, this guy. Yeah, mm, it right? is absolutely. Yeah, this is this is gigantic. Like, this because... one is harder to easily caricature yeah. or dismiss. Like this. Mm. This is this is the the important thing to remember is this guy has testified to Congress under oath that these things are real that this is what it is so he is risking uh, going to prison if he's just hoaxing right oh, this yeah. is this is how serious he is about it that this is a real thing and mm-hmm. he's willing to you know risk his life and his career and everything over it yeah um he was Okay, there are some skeptics who immediately jump on him. For one thing, uh, the report came out that after the report, after the article came out, his, the firm that was um, representing him in the whistleblower case dropped him as a client. And they're like, well, that's a good sign that this is, you know, they they think they don't have a case and stuff. But... What they didn't point out is two things. Number one, the firm that was representing him represents uh, employees of the federal government, but he has since quit his job and no longer works for the federal government, so they can no longer represent him because he doesn't meet those qualifications. And the second thing is his lawyer from that firm continues to represent him, just not through that uh, firm. He's representing him. And on top of that, his lawyer is a former inspector general, the guy in charge of everything, yeah. who is feels like he's an you know a good enough client that he needs to be represented still. So that leads some lends some credence to what yeah. he's saying. Um, he is careful when he talks about things. I've seen tons of interviews with him and stuff. He's very careful about what he says because he he will not give up any clear like classified information he only says the things that the pentagon allowed him to say but he can still say quite a bit huh yeah what's he doing nowadays right like, now is, i mean he's he doing it, right now it's a lot of like interviews and and he's testifying to congress again and stuff like that oh. i mean like he's getting involved with those things i don't know what he's doing as a job yeah um it is actually in the article whatever he's doing as a job but i can't remember what it is so this is important and significant and since then we've learned that uh he kind of was the was priming the pump because after he did it and it became public a lot more people have um kind of taken the plunge and testified to congress about their nda you know their top secret stuff that they weren't supposed to talk about they talked to congress about because they're allowed to congress has just introduced a provision 
that it hasn't been made into law yet, but what it says is basically if there are any um, organizations out there that hold any um, spaceship, I'm not going to, it's too hard for me to try to say yeah, the, like, the lawyerly origin. words of it, yeah. right? I'm just going to say it Let's in the spaceship. layman way. Yeah. If anyone out there holds uh, <clears throat> any parts or pieces or materials that came from a spaceship that was ever held by the, or retrieved by any uh, part of the government or the military or anything like that, that they have to report that to Congress. Otherwise, they're not going to get any more money for it. But if you tell us that you've got it, then we'll continue to fund you. Uh, we just need to know that it's there and that you have it and stuff like that. And so it's kind of a, you know, dangling the carrot. We mm. need to know that it's here, but we'll keep funding you. Now, do you think anyone actually looks at that and says, Okay, fine. I'll tell you that I have a spaceship in my garage. Right. Yeah. Here's some pictures I've emailed you. Like, is that actually doing anything? <laughs> so this is the situation that that is meant to do, and this is what David Grush explained. This is kind of the situation. Let's say a uh, spaceship lands in Roswell. The Air Force goes, gets the spaceship, brings it back to their base. Uh, they want to reverse engineer this and learn the technology from it so that we can use it because if we can figure out how to defy gravity and stuff like that, then what an advantage. Or if we can figure out how to do cold fusion or whatever it is, you know, whatever is yeah. powering these things, or fly faster than light or use wormholes or whatever it is that they do. If we can learn that, that is a strategic advantage, right? So they are like, we need to do this, but we need to make sure that no one knows that we're doing it. So they go to a company like Lockheed Martin and they say, hey, Lockheed, you make spaceships and airplanes, top secret airplanes and all kinds of stuff. Will you, and you have great engineers. We are giving this to you to research for us. Officially, it is no longer in our hands. It is in your hands. We will fund you secretly. And so they get this money from Black Projects they're called SAPs, Special Access Programs. They get this money and they funnel it off to Lockheed. Now, if somebody files a Freedom of Information Act and says, hey, government, you got the Roswell spaceship. We want all of the information about it. They say, hey, it's not in, we don't have anything in our hands. And it's like plausible deniability, right? They, they do privatize not. privatize government secrets. Yeah, they, yeah. They don't hold it so they don't have to tell about it. Right? Lockheed has it, not them. Mm. And somebody else gets, I don't know, the Malmstrom Air Force Base uh, wreckage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the air, the spaceship crashes a different part of the of our own military or government it, gets it, and they take it, and they go to uh, Raytheon or Boeing, and they say, hey, same thing. We're going to give this to you, and we want you to invest, reverse engineer this. This group studying this and the group studying the Roswell thing do not communicate with each other. They're stovepiped off. So, These are the kind of shenanigans, though, that lead me to wonder, and maybe you can yeah. tell me your opinion. How do we ever expect to have hope? that we'll ever find any more real information on right. because they just play these silly yeah, games. Yeah, they play where, all of the games. Oh, they might be getting a little close, so we're just going to cut up all of the yep. information into different piles. And, yep, exactly. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and that's what this bill that Congress is presenting is is hoping to go to Boeing to say, hey, you have this stuff, you know, just tell us you have it and, you know, let Congress know about it so that we know where it is. We will continue to fund you. You're not going to lose your money. You're going to mm. continue to do it, but we need to know about it. Let me just tell you that uh, the Manhattan Project, right, It's mm-hmm. the, we've got the Oppenheimer movie coming out yeah. soon. And we know that that was a situation where they took the brightest scientists, put them together all in one place to study stuff and to solve this just crazy problem. What we've got right now, and, and it, they succeeded, <laughs> right? What we've got right now is groups smaller groups of super smart individuals and maybe they are maybe they are not the smartest people because Mm. maybe the smartest people are in the public sector Mm. and maybe uh it's just the smartest they could get maybe they are the smartest people who knows but they are just like stovepiped off in their own little thing and they can't my dad's a scientist and the way that scientists work is they're doing a little bit of research they will say oh this other scientist somewhere else did something similar I want their information from them. And they contact the other scientists and say, hey, can I have your papers? Yeah. And they, they send the papers over so that they can look at them and say, oh, this informs my stuff. Yeah. What's happening right now, if, if it's actually happening, is that these people are studying in their silos and they're not communicating with each other. Mm. And according to David Grush, they are not succeeding. Like, mm. we just can't figure it out. Yeah. Is that trend of information siphoning and, and mm-hmm. silos, even though, is that sustainable? Just given where we are as a society, the, the ability to move information and to talk to people, yeah. is that model even going to, that seems like it's easily going to be broken. I don't know. I don't it's know. really, it's an unlimited amount of money, really. And it's like, by doing it this way, they don't have oversight. They don't have the bureaucracy and stuff like that. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons to keep that they want to keep it hidden. Anyway, so that's the current event of things. We Let's don't see. know. Most people, even the even the skeptics, say mm-hmm. David Grush certainly believes what he is saying. Like the people, nobody believes that he is hoaxing or lying or misleading on purpose. Yeah. Some people think that maybe he is a puppet that doesn't realize that he's been fed a bunch of disinformation knowing that he has the kind of mentality that he would whistleblow. Yeah. And because according to the law, all of this stuff is illegal and that's, and they know that he's an honest guy and would bring it to light. And so they deliberately fed him a bunch of garbage knowing that he would bring it to light. And that's going to make everybody look over here while something else is happening over there. Yeah. It may not even have anything to do with UAPs, what they don't want anyone looking at, right? It's just while everyone's focused here, no one sees the hat, the rabbit yeah. being pulled out of the hat over yeah. there. Well, and that's the piece I hate about his story is that he states that he's never actually personally himself. Seen it. Right. It's, oh, it's just information that I got from colleagues. That- right. So what I, I, that concerned me also, but in interviews that I've heard since then, uh, so he he absolutely has not seen it himself. It is that, but it's not like he was in the break room and somebody told him a story. These are people. His job was for these people to report directly to him these specific things. So he was gathering this information as part of his job. Uh-huh. They were presentations that were given to him, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, 
it's not just like a casual oh yeah by the way did you know we have aliens <laughs> hidden at area 51 it's not like that so okay jeff should we care yeah so if it, it like and how bryce was saying it, and it feels like us we can never get to the bot like yeah, get to the whole thing okay so I mean, 100% something's going on. <laughs> like, if for things to be happening, like, something's going on. So, now the question for me is, Jeff, do you care? Should we be in a room talking about it? <laughs> yeah, like, do you, does this affect, yeah. Like, will this change? Because I, anyway, I'm just interested to know where you take, when you take that information does it make you believe more in that something is there? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> okay. And that's okay. Yeah. I think a lot of it can be explained away yeah. or, you know, I, I see the importance of national security and, yeah. and trying to know what these events are and kind of having some kind of sense as to what's causing them. Maybe they're from foreign com- countries that are, trying to spy on us Mm -hmm. or maybe they're not and it's still important to know whatever that whatever they are but um it doesn't seem like our government's doing a very good job at figuring it out out, right (laughs) yeah or it sounds like there's a lot of people skeptical of the government so um maybe something different should should happen yeah so one thing that that is interesting about yeah. this this arrow yeah. who's there to investigate yeah they're all like people are asking them why don't you guys know about all of this stuff when yeah. David Grush came out with this stuff why don't you know about all this it turns out the arrow doesn't have high enough clearance mm. like they have like a level 10 clearance and all of this stuff is level 50 and so when they go to places other departments to say, hey, tell us about your stuff. They're like, uh, forget about it. Your clearance isn't even close yeah. to high enough. We're yeah. not going to tell you about it. So there's none of this. I, anyway, so I want to ask you guys. Yeah. Uh, we can go over some ideas here. Uh, and we've talked about it a little bit through here. But what are some possibilities, assuming that there... Well, let's let's put it this way. It appears that there are things, crafts, that we can't identify. They seem to move in strange ways that don't seem normal to us. Um, And we seem to be able to capture them on our radars and cameras and things like that. So it's more than just people uh, misidentifying things. So there's something out there. Maybe not a ton, but there's a few out there. So with that in mind, what do you think it could be? Like, is it aliens? Mm Mm-hmm. Or is it Russia or China? Or what other things could it be? Okay. Do you want to go first? I mean, my first thought is that it's probably some uh, domestic, military, um, state-of-the-art, top-secret Air Force. So you think it's us? Yeah, I think so. And we're just I mean, playing it off like we don't or know. Or possibly there's spies um, trying to get information from some of our bases. Because uh, it seems to be that a lot of the 
events occur near these air bases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that just, I mean, I'm it's just kind of linking mind. those together or during the Cold War trying to get, you know, uh, infiltrate our nuclear arsenal and just kind of getting more information about that. I mean, I could yeah. see that. So it could be a whole bunch of different causes for different events. Um, That's true, actually. They don't have to all be the same source. Absolutely. Right? They could be, you know, it could be just some random solar flare in one event, and it could be, um, you know, the Chinese government in another example and the U.S. government in another example. So, uh, you know, it could be all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. What about you guys? Yeah, I go? think it's definitely... I think there's definitely multiple causes. And I think probably a lot of the stories that we talked about and, and just this space is probably explainable by military activity. and But... I just want to believe in aliens. I know. Like, yeah. You so, to be yeah. Aliens, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I wish I had a more elegant way of just saying, yeah, I want there to be some reality yeah. in this. Yeah. And yeah. So, Maybe I'm just a loser. And that's where I am. <laughs> no. But I, I want it to be. True. I think it's both. I think it is military tech. I think it's technology that we are developing and we all want to keep it hidden so that, you know, so I think it's advanced technology. I'm blown away every day when I hear about new technology, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised at all if we come up with some, you know, like you would not surprise me almost of what could. Um, so I, I, I think it's that, but I also think that there are uh, beings from other planets uh doing like somehow involved or connected not with those necessarily right it's just both mm -hmm. it's just like so that's that's what i think i think i think some of them are yeah yeah non so i have i have a few ideas here these are not necessarily my ideas but these are kind of ideas that are out there about where they come from mm -hmm. obviously there's the adversarial government yeah. It's whatever, China or Russia. Um, or our own government testing stuff and obviously playing like they don't know what it is because they don't want to show their cards. Then there is the idea um, of aliens. They come from galaxies far away, stars far away, maybe not galaxies, whatever. But yeah. um, the, there is the practical issue about the time it takes to travel but if they have technology and they have understanding and they're able to create wormholes or something like that they're able to travel far distances much quicker so there is also a, a possible explanation yeah. for that there's also the possibility that they were sent billions of years ago and that what reaches us is and we'll actually one day when I do an episode on aliens themselves, yeah, the little gray aliens, one of the things that comes up a lot of times is people 
kind of a lot of people don't think those are actually aliens. They think those are like drones or like little robots uh-huh. or little maybe oh. biological robots or mm-hmm. something that those were maybe sent by someone else and they're here, right? Yeah. So anyway, aliens yeah. could be aliens. Yeah. No matter how they get here, there is a famous UFO guy. His name is Jacques Vallée. He uh, he's written a lot about aliens. And in fact, if you've seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the French guy who's in that is is modeled after him. I mean, hmm. in fact, Jacques Vallée. Um, the one played by Francois Truffaut. That's right. And Jacques wow. Vallée consulted on that part and, and on the movie, in fact. Anyway, Jacques Vallée has come to think that it may be interdimensional beings. In other words, these are humans or creatures that live on earth but in a different dimension and they are somehow able to cross from one dimension into ours Um, and that in their dimension technology has just taken a different turn Mm -hmm. and somehow they're able to move between dimensions whether it's intentional or unintentional that's another issue too I think yeah go ahead it's an interesting theory yeah Yeah. well I think what one thing that way of thinking opens up is in the past typically when talking about these events people quickly gravitate to trying to find the the overarching theory of purpose and oh they came here to give us a secret message Uh or they came here to protect us from the nukes and maybe there's something there right maybe it was just like a teenager alien who had his flasher pointer thing and pointed it at Earth. Jerry. And, right. And, and maybe it was just, yeah, yeah, Jerry. Maybe it like, was Jerry. You know, we make mistakes. Yeah. Was... I mean, goodness. So yeah. the the interdimensional idea and even the possibility that it's accidental yeah. is a thing that um, in my experience in just like as a fan of the paranormal in general, yeah. you learn that this interdimensional idea yeah. comes, uh, it happens in every aspect ghosts maybe they're interdimensional right they're whatever spirits they're spirits living here but in a different dimension we can't see them and they cross over occasionally yeah um accidentally yeah bigfoot a lot of people think he's interdimensional uh there are these things called time slips where somebody there are all these awesome stories of people who like go to a diner and it's like a diner from the 1950s and it's so cool and stuff and they they go to it and then they come back on their you know they finish their trip and they come back and they want to stop at it again and it's just a parking lot and they find out that that thing was torn down yeah. 50 years ago and how is it possible that they went there that kind of thing and that's like an interdimensional slip anyway do we just watch too many movies <laughs> so yes. i don't know we, or we could. no do they yeah like the, i think that the but movies, then science like gets closer so, and closer you know like all the science fiction books that then you know so let me tell you this. The idea of, of different dimensions and something that could be happening in a different dimension, would you say that it's easier to comprehend that? Would that be easier to comprehend when you were a teenager? Or is it more, or actually, yeah. let's say 10 years ago yeah. versus today when you've seen all the multiverse right. uh that's immediately Marvel where my things, brain goes right? to. Yeah. Where it explains I think it's it in just a way we're that's digestible. Because Marvel. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I know. There are actually people I, who think that Hollywood has been, they're in on it. And yeah. they're trying to help 
the general public understand. Well, it is the most <laughs> efficient and effective so communication resource there is. Just yeah. make a movie about some subliminal or some topic. <laughs> because and... we all know Hollywood is, is in the government's pocket. Yeah. It has everything that they want. The best communicating <laughs> way to communicate it is through story and teaching us the technology that way. I was just going to say that, you know, you mentioned that the theory of wormholes yeah. and their use, and we really don't have any evidence that black holes or wormholes exist the wormholes exist they're right really they're kind of theoretical that the you know they can see black holes in space i think but they don't have they don't really know what happens when in you go holes. into it can't they only yeah. see them indirectly there's too? no well light. it's the absent there's no light yeah so they, you yeah. can't they, see and we we have photographs of okay the area or i mean all you can see of the black hole when, the area when around stars it. collapse and yeah. stuff Wormhole, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wormholes are a thing that yeah. we don't have any direct evidence that they exist. They're only theoretical, but there is math that says that shows how they could happen. Yeah, but we don't know if they happen. So they're, they're so I am theoretical. of the opinion and mindset that there is so much phenomenon that has happened or we observe that we just don't know yet how to scientifically That's explain yes. it. We have a Where, limited knowledge. Yeah, we just have and we limited need to knowledge. remember we don't know everything. We so just don't we know, know as much as we know. There's, right. you know, the, so much that happens that we're just waiting for the science to explain it. That's right. Yep. Um, and we'll get there. So, and speaking of that, so. that leads me to another explanation of who these people are. This is the last explanation that I want to share. And this is actually the one that I think I am most, that I believe in the most, and that is a divergent society. So a divergent society. Well, You're 100% mole people. No, not mole people. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, like, in the most basic form, this is uh, the people of Atlantis. Atlantis didn't actually, like, die in when, if if Atlantis ever existed. I'm just saying, like, as an example, Atlantis instead is a people who had technology that they decide to go live in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And now they're a whole society under the ocean. And for thousands of years, they have been evolving and doing their own science and stuff completely separate from the rest of us. And so they would have like, uh, their technology would have evolved differently than ours. And so maybe they know how to do anti-gravity or something like that. And all they're doing they know about us, but we don't know about them. And yeah. maybe they are just looking at us, and they're that's what they're they're sending out is these this ships. Is this a little Wakanda like? I mean, it is. Yeah, Wakanda is a good example. Can, yeah, Wakanda is a well, good like, we example. We all know the ocean is so unexplored. Yeah, right? exactly. There's a ton, right? Yeah, but there is actually uh, probably a more likely type of uh, divergent society, and that is that actually comes from this stuff that we talked about with David Grush and stuff. If you have, let's say you have, I'll give you two other kinds of examples. One is uh, Iron Man. (laughs) You're Tony Stark. You have tons of money. You have all of the facility that you want, and you're very smart, and maybe you have smart friends and stuff, and in your company, you are just burning past everyone else scientifically, and you're just not sharing it with everyone else, right? That It could be just that. Maybe all UFOs belong, maybe they have... They belong to some smart guy out there that we don't Elon even Musk know about. Just like... It's not Elon Musk. <laughs> if I were rich <laughs> enough, would I really want anyone to know who I am? Yeah. If I'm rich enough, right? I'd yeah, and I'm just keeping it secret. secret. This is my thing, right? Or 
and I think this is more likely, it is a group of people like some people from Lockheed, some people from Boeing, people in our government, in our military who are in these black projects who are actually developing. They're, they're not necessarily studying UFOs or whatever. They're actually creating them. Yeah, and they're not telling anyone about it. Only yeah. they know about it. They actually have this technology and this science that they're not sharing with anyone, because why share this extra knowledge with your adversaries, right? Yeah. And that they are creating things. They're out there testing them, and they know what it is, but the rest of the government doesn't. Yeah. So it's a small group of people who are within and among us who know this stuff that we don't. I think that that's likely that some of it at least is that kind of thing. Which and theory it, do we want to be I true? I could totally believe that. I mean, I I, all three, I, I think the Atlantis yeah. thing, yeah. Could 100, the way you describe yeah. it, where it's not that they, because one thing I always get bugged with, with the UFO talk is, it's immediately, oh, and this group of people who are so much better than us. Yeah. Techno- Maybe it's just they evolve differently. Yeah. yeah. And they have right. different sets of characteristics. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm excited to see what, comes over these next few weeks with all of the stuff that's happening on a daily basis with all of the whistleblowers and stuff yeah. it'll be interesting and you know best scenario i think is we start to find out hey we've got these things and we don't know where they came from or we do know where it came from and they can tell us yeah but hey look here's some technology we can't figure it out but we got it and it's cool Dude. you know anyway well I'm with you i think uh with that, we will finish it up, and I thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. Thank you. And listeners, mm-hmm. don't forget to go to othersideofstrange.com if you want to see some of the pictures and links to the videos. And send me an email at sostrange at othersideofstrange.com if uh, you think I missed something or if you want me to talk about something in general. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank thanks. you. Thanks.